Welcome back to He's on Fire podcast. It has definitely been a minute, but that's what happens when you have three or four dads that just, you know, have a dad life going on. He's on fire! Nothing we can do, but we're here now. We're excited to uh, to be with y'all and, and talk about this iteration of the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant. Uh, that's the very first and foremost thing I really <laughs> want to get into, but everybody share this out and all that fun stuff, and we appreciate the love. Um, Kevin Durant starts tomorrow. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous because I think we all feel like we have a team here that can definitely win a championship, especially considering the West and how – fraudulent every every single team is every single team is losing to bad teams right every single team is going on losing strengths but um i'm more afraid than ever just because of injuries i don't want to lie that's the number one thing i'm i'm worried about especially with with kd and chris paul and book with his hands and stuff but putting that aside tomorrow's going to be a really fun day uh game we got carl anthony towns go bear and Edwards, Mike Conley on the other side, just waiting for our entire starting lineup. But isn't this only going to be like the 11th or 12th time all year our intended starting five is actually going to be playing? Yeah. So that's just ridiculous to think of to begin with, right? But KD tomorrow, we got to talk about the bench. Salty, wh- what do you want to talk about when it comes to the Suns and Kevin Durant? What's been on your mind? Uh, it's been a long journey since he was traded. How long has it been? It feels like five years, you know, middle, uh, middle of February, right? Is a trading yeah. deadline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to, to go from the highs of the highs to the lows of the lows has been, it's been tough because it's like Katie is going to come back <laughs> in and then he busts his ankle in, in warmups. And I was just, I couldn't be more defeated, you know, to be honest, because it's like, what are the chances and it's just like at the same time, it was like a perfect storm because um, we got two new dynamic bench players and TJ, you know, TJ Warren. I wanted to call him TJ Ross for some reason, but <laughs> TJ Warren and Ross. And then Ross, we signed off, you know, the waiver wire. So there was a promise deal there. And it's all, it's, I think it's tougher for us to figure out our bench than trying to insert KD in there. And I know there's the the question marks between like, oh, the bench got to adjust to KD. It's like, we need to figure out who our bench is and like who's in and who's out. And I, I was so frustrated with like so many different things because it's like Monty, he has this knack of like not being able to adjust, um, not calling timeouts. And like in the losses that we had, a lot of that was showing up and the the fragile nature of this team um, showed up as well in that we were fouling so much and then they were complaining about fouls that we could talk about that as well. But it was just so frustrating to watch this team because Chris Paul wasn't doing shit for the most part. Devin Booker's cooking, right? He, he's just on fire, literally just killing it. And then the rest of the team shit in the bed, specifically the bench for a while. And Ish Wainwright, I, I have a bone to pick with him because I, I respect the hustle and the fact that he was a, t- a tight end in, in college and then now he's in the NBA and shit. But the fact that Monty was playing Ish Wainwright over TJ Warren is like comical. It's like 
not comical. It, it is uh, negligence. Let's just put it that way, you know, because in, in no universe in in our realm of living is Ish Wainwright better than TJ Warren. I don't even give – I don't care. You can say whatever you want about the defensive end and all this and whatever, but TJ Warren is buckets. He gets buckets, bro. Like in the bubble, he, he before he got injured and all this other stuff, he was killing it, man. I, what was that guy averaging, like, 44 or some shit? Like, he was going off, and this guy is, like, dynamic from that end to a point where, I don't know, it was just negligence from that point. And Ish is, like, taking final shots, and it's like, you look at his plus-minus and his shooting percentages. And I just had an issue with a lot of the stuff. That, like, I could talk for an hour, you know? I don't want to be the only one talking here, but... It was so frustrating to see Monty do his thing, but finally Monty pulled his head out of his ass because it's like uh, he, TJ was getting DMPs, and I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? You know, what? Uh, we're losing games. You put these players in that have these horrible plus minuses, bricking threes, you know? You guys hear their echo? Oh, yeah, no, no, they're good. I, I got a little bit of an echo there okay, yeah. just when you talk salty, but I'm sure it'll go away in a second. Um, no, I hear you. Monty is a big hot topic right now. Um, there was another uh, podcast I was listening to recently. Um, they were talking about people talking about Ty Lue and wanting to kick out Monty. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of game with it, to be honest with you. I mean, give me a, a, a tactician. Give me that kind of guy. Jay, I think the echo might be coming from you, dude. From me? Uh, all right. Uh, give me one second. Keep talking. Yeah, just mute it for a second. And, uh, yeah, it's gone now. That's uh, th There was that. So that wasn't you, Salty. That was Jay. Damn it, Jay. Don't do a podcast in a month and look what happens. Um, No, I was really frustrated with what Monty was doing, and that's the first time I've been. I've been a staunch supporter of Monty from day one um riding through thick or thin you know mm -hmm. you got your highs and your lows but but monty's been there monty did this monty did that but i still don't understand his bench situation dude like jock yeah. was getting some run for a minute and then the last two games it's been bismack so which is it gonna be um i don't like there's two school of thoughts to this i don't like having not knowing who you're going to have in there, right? I don't like that because I feel like the players then kind of can't get into a rhythm. Flip side of that coin, think of baseball, Salty, and mm -hmm. uh, think of having everybody on your bench have to play for you throughout the entire season, right? You're going to call that one dude up to play once every five days. You're going to pinch hit that guy, pinch run that guy, right? Um, you're going to be doing that the entire course of the season, so you have to stay on your toes and be engaged. But with this iteration of the Suns team with, what, seven, six games left, I want the same dudes out there getting run over and over and over and over again. Like, we saw how good KD was with Jock, right? Like, everybody saw that. So he's going to play with KD, right? Like, I don't understand why we would have Biombo in there getting as much run as he did over Jock. I mean, last night, for example, DA's back. Biombo's still playing. Why not switch over to Jock at that point? I don't know. Um... I know Monty said it's going to be a matchups thing, right? Like, we play the Nuggets in the second round of the playoffs. We're not going to want to start a Kogi. We're going to want to start Torrey Craig, especially when you got to guard Jokic, 
Aaron Gordon and uh, uh, MPJ. You're not going to want Josh Okogie out there, right? That's not going to be a thing. So I get that to a point, but where I think this Suns team needs is to develop uh, the same players over and over. What's the what's the what's the word? Like like chemistry. Uh, you know. <clears throat> uh, uh, do I sound it right now? It sounds you like sound a little. Pop, it's like popping or crackling. It's like popping and crackling and stuff. Yeah, it's really loud now. Uh, is it? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what what you were saying? Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, that's really a big issue with me, Evan, honestly, like with our coach. Imagine being a player, right, when you play basketball and then not knowing if you're going to play. or Like one time you'll get a bunch of play. The next time you could get a DMP for like exactly. three days. Like how, how do you build anything as a player, right, consistency, any of that stuff? When you don't know what's going consistency, on, consistency—that's what I want. Consistency and continuity, all that stuff goes in there. And when I get what Coach Monty has to deal with because he's integrating two new uh, pieces in there. But at the same time, Monty has an issue and huge flaws as a coach. He has favoritism. Okay, he picks his players and he rides with them, no matter if they're playing garbage. Because, like, let's be honest, like, he rides Shamit or Pyramid Poppy or he picks these players, right? And he goes with them no matter what. And it's like Monty does that over – it doesn't matter. It's like th- this player is my player. I'm going to play him. He's in his minutes, blah, blah, blah. He, he, he could date my Whatever daughter. Whatever happens, happens, right? Exactly. And it's just like you were talking about Jacques Landell and then Busy. It's the same thing with that because it's like Jock has a really good stretch and then it's like busy time. And it's like, who's who are you picking and how are you doing it? And it's just a lot of our players that we picked up. I want to talk about this before. Like speaking of KD, since that was the original question, this offseason was screwed. Okay. James Jones from the beginning. I know could not, from the beginning. Could not get the players he wanted. Could not get the premier, you know, bench guys because he had to wait around. We didn't we we were all along trying to get KD, but you can't pull the trigger on all these other players when you have cap restrictions and trades that are potentially gonna go down. So it's like a lot of these signings when we made them, like Lee, Akogi, Landell. Everybody's like, wow, that was pretty lackluster when it comes to these signings, right? Okogi's showed up and like played fantastic and Landell and, and Lee and all these players. But at the end of the day, they weren't probably the first choice, right? They were probably right. sixth, second or third. So it's like when we looked at our bench at the time when we were struggling, I was thinking that in my head, I'm like, you know, our bench is shit. Cause like for a while there, we couldn't do anything with our bench, right? Couldn't right. hit threes, couldn't do anything. And it's just like those players were showing who they really were in essence, right? Uh, is Lee going to be shooting 50 plus percent for three and balling? I think his mic. Did it pick it up again? Yeah, that's his mic again. So like, I'm not saying that those players haven't done good to this point. But it's like we needed something different, and then that something different is Ross and Warren, right? right. That's, that's the dynamic players that I'm looking for, not fucking 
Ish Wainwright. Ish Wainwright bricking, like going off the side of the backboard when he's trying to hit a wide open three, you know, that anybody could hit. Like these dudes, when KD gets back, are going to be so wide open, it's going to be ridiculous, right? So you need to have someone that's competent to hit a three in that situation. I was trying to tell people, we need three-point shooters, three and D, you know, ideally, but we can't have that this year, right? So get the best three-point shooters in there. When when KD gets doubled or book or vice versa, you're going to be so wide open for those threes, and you better hit them. That's the annoying part. It's like Josh Akogi had a good stretch, but then he's wide the fuck open. He bricks like six in a row. You're just like, want to pull all your hair out, you know? So I think overall our bench situation is solving, like figuring itself out because of Ross and TJ. But at the same time, you can only play a certain amount of players in the playoff. That's the problem. Like, who's the odd men out? You're still crackly as hell, JJ. FYI. Jesus Christ. All right, uh, I'll just restart. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to go back about the, the bench mob with you, mm-hmm. uh, Ish Wainwright, I mean, he did kind of win us that Mavericks game, even when we did have KD. So, like, I see a defensive potential with him, but he's, like, he's one of those guys that you love to have on your roster when you need spot minutes during the regular season, spot, right? Yeah, game yeah, number 38, yeah. game number 52 on a Monday night, right? Mm-hmm. You like You need that. 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15th man on the bench. There's always a spot for players like that, right? And I think he's yeah. great for that. But putting him in these – I mean, he played last night because TJ Warren had three quick fouls trying to guard Markinen, and Markinen was owning him last night. Whatever he did, he just couldn't, didn't have an answer for. So you bring in him. I get that part of it. And then he did hit a couple threes, and then for it sure. just kind of makes you think. And you're like, shit, is this the guy that's going to be hot now? Because – uh, Terrence Ross was like one for seven and then cold, ice hit, cold. Yep. and then hits three or four in the fourth quarter. And we balloon up to a, what, 11, 12, 13 point lead. Right. Uh-huh. So it's like, he's almost trying to ride the hot hand. Like you kind of do in soccer. Well, he, when you have, when you have a goal, goal scorer. That, that is to a point, but, but, but he, he doesn't pull the trigger when he, the player is playing bad and that's the shitty part. Yeah. He was like setting his, I don't know. He has certain ideas of what he wants, like time-wise for rotations, and he sticks with that, or he has done that. And it's just like you were saying, like ride the hot hand. I don't think he does that enough, to be honest. I think there's momentum times in games where whatever you know lineup is on the court, they're getting it done. They're in, they have momentum, and then boom, Monty's like sub everybody in, like it's hockey. Full five rotation, and then it's all of a sudden we get, you know, all of our momentum goes down the toilet. The other team makes a run, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. He didn't. He doesn't call the timeouts like we want him to. Like I get it. Like you want to mm-hmm. save your timeouts as long as you can. But man, some of those can just be run stoppers. I mean, how many times have the Suns been down nineteen in a game, right? Fact. And all of a sudden we pull it to fifteen. We get two bu- two baskets. Boop! Immediate other timeout. teams like timeout. Yep. And then they come back on a 6-0 run, and it's back up to 21. Yeah. Yeah. Timeouts can be run stoppers. I mean, I guess, in a way, that's why we got KD for the ultimate run stopper, right? Um, And then people, I I heard other chatter about people are wanting TJ Warren as our starter, as our fifth starter. I am so wholeheartedly against that. Holy shit. You saw just him trying to guard Markinen last night, like, 
we can't afford that, in my opinion. We can't afford for him uh, to go down with three quick fouls in the first few minutes. We can't afford him giving up yeah. a whole bunch of defensive stuff as a starter. Also, I really think this team specifically needs more scoring off of the bench, maybe more than ever before, right? Especially with Chris Paul's decline. Like, having two dudes that can light it up and TJ Ross and TJ did it again. TJ Ross. Ross, two guys and TJ Ross. You've got those two guys coming off the bench. You need flamethrower bucket getters, man. Big shot makers, big shot takers. And in my opinion, that's what you need coming off the bench. And as Voida put it, uh, he always said, you need a fuck shit up guy. You need a Tory Craig so, or a Josh Okogie to start, right? So you would be comfortable with Okogie. Uh, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with either. It's just Craig or a Kogi, but I think you need to keep that cohesiveness and you need to have scores coming off the bench. It's just, I I think it, it, I don't know. I think you could pretty much throw anybody in there with Booker and Katie drawing as much attention as they will. And then kind of CP three doing his thing and, and DAs in the middle, like that fifth person. I mean, in essence, they're just going to be sitting there, Waiting for a three-point shot. Uh, I don't. I don't know what else he's going to be doing. I mean, he's not going to be doing pick and rolls with CP3. You know. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I get that, but I just I I love that idea of just having a guy that can go out and just focus on defending somebody, as opposed to TJ Warren getting used and abused and having to sub sub somebody in at the seven eight nine minute mark. He did. He was grabbing some boards and. Oh, like, for sure. For his standards, I think he was trying a lot more on defense. At least I noticed that in this last game. Um, as far as, like, Ross goes, he's, like, zero defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're looking at, like, um, deficiencies on defense, he'd be, like, the number one dude. <laughs> so, I don't I, – I really think it's fine keeping him on the bench, but they, I just want them to eat up all the minutes for Craig and who else is left there um, – Anybody else? Lee? Is, does this Landry Shamit. Oh, the MVP. What do you guys think of him? Um. So, uh, I'll go. Uh, how do I sound? Yeah. Real quick. Good, you sound good. Good okay. enough. Yeah. Cool. Good shit. So, uh, my my thing right now, going into the playoffs and stuff. Uh, Mati said, and I quote: "I want to maximize offense as much as possible." So, if we're trending towards that way, Okogie is not the guy that you put in there. Um, his offense has dropped the last uh, five games uh, drastically. Uh, I would add. I mean, <clears throat> let's say in that Dallas game, uh, we started uh, Landry Shamit instead. You know, the defense drops a little bit, but uh, Shamit's still a pretty good defender. But you don't think Shamit hits at least? True two out of those eight, like, in the corner. He would have. He would Yeah. So, like, we win that game comfortably, and, and it wouldn't have, you know, came down to, like, a Luka Miss Bunny, which is hilarious. But so I'm totally in favor of uh, rolling with Landry Shaman to start, uh, uh, like, going into the playoffs. Uh, when it comes to the bench, um, this is where I get kind of annoyed with Monty. He is so intricate and too – like into his head about making lineups absolutely perfect. And with this bench unit, like it took everybody to get injured for him to play everybody. And like, I, I know all year we haven't had, had like a full roster. That's not what I'm talking about for the majority of the year. Our bench has been pretty, pretty much there, 
but it's just him DMPing guys and, and, and whatnot. If it's rest, just say it's rest. You know, we're not going to bitch about low, a low management for bench players. You know, if, if Jacques is uh, dealing with something, you know, like let us uh, let us know. So we're not like, you know, killing biz and like Monty, you know, him catching strays and shit if it's not deserved. Yeah. But uh, going into the bench, yeah, you got to have that uh, fuck shit up guy. And uh, I love what Ross and TJ Warren have been doing. It sucks that it took uh, just like KD and uh, Aiden to get injured for a few games for, uh, to see Warren and Ross cook together because then the last three games, uh, uh, our bench has just gone off and they're not the reason why we lost, uh, you know, those uh, couple of losing streaks. Uh, Sacramento, the bench has 68 points. Absolutely uh, blew yeah, Sacramento man. out of the water. Uh, I guess the 76ers, uh, we have 53. The only mm-hmm. reason why we won that game, of course, book and the and the starters were cooking, but the like we won the non Embiid minutes and Maxi couldn't like uh, you know keep it down and Tobias Harris couldn't either. And then against the Jazz, I mean, I know that they're basically sitting everybody important, but that was still 57 points off the bench. So when you add Warren and Ross and you have to let them cook and campaign is finally finding a, a niche little pocket so he can facilitate and find the wide open guy. I mean, th- that's what leads to it. Ross can cook from just about anywhere. Warren can get to his spots still, even after his injuries and his age at this point. And then when you add Jock, a guy that can actually move around in the paint, that adds a lot of uh, versatility in the bench going forward. Uh, I know Monty's been killing uh, – I, uh, I know Monty's been getting killed about, like, the all-bench lineups and shit like that. I'm not uh, too into it like that because, like, we're dealing with injuries. We don't have Mikkel. We don't have Cam. We don't have Jay. We don't have KD. So, uh, that I totally understood that. But, um, yeah, to answer, like, basically all the questions, um, going into the playoffs, uh, I'm more – in favor of throwing anybody in that fifth position. But if we're trying to maximize offense and still have, you know, great, uh, great to good uh, defense and offensive shooting off, uh, off the bench, I would move Okogi, uh, you know, t- uh, to the bench running with Craig uh, and campaign, uh, then, you know, the bucket getters and then uh, having uh, Landry Shaman or even Ross, uh, depending on uh, how, uh, the defense is for comp, you know. So if we were to match up with, uh, let's say, uh, like Clippers, yeah, the Clippers, you know, like if we go into that Clippers series, uh, and uh, Paul George is still not back because there's reports saying that if they get out of the first round, uh, Paul George will probably be back in the second. So if we go into that series, uh, with the no Paul George, I mean, I'm more than cool with having Ross, uh, open in the corner. Because, you know, we don't really need defense from him. As long as he can contest, which he's progressing towards that, just contesting shots, I'm totally cool with and, that. And, and see, I I'm I want to start Craig because if anybody remembers when we Craig played, was great against Paul. When, yeah. Craig <coughs> Paul George single-handedly on defense in game six in the fourth quarter single-handedly did that that was all him the way he stopped him i mean paul george was cooking that whole series and i want to say he had like 30 35 or something and then wound up with almost a goose egg in the fourth quarter all because of tory craig and they were eating they were going to win that game i would want him and for that reason to guard a paul george or a Kawhi. uh i would want tory craig against uh uh the the, the nuggets as i as i already said if we play 
if we play the Warriors, I want Josh Okogie in there, right? Correct. If yeah. we play Memphis, I want Josh Okogie in there. So I think it really, really de- – or no, that would probably be Torrey Craig, JJJ and Steven Adams. Like that's that's yeah. what I would want to go right, in there. Yeah. Um, so I think it, de- I mean, the Kings give me Josh Okogie against the Kings, right? Give me Josh Okogie against probably the T Wolves, probably the Pelicans. Um, it's, it's so matchup dependent, but you know, having, uh, having campaign back and healthy, um, he's starting to get his touch around the rim. I really feel like when he's on from the backboard, meaning he's hitting runners and weird, crazy shit off the backboard and it's going in. That's when he's on. It's not when he's hitting threes. That's when he's on. When he can blow by a defender one-on-one, lay it up a weird way, and that's what gets him going, in my opinion. But having him being able to take off so many minutes from Chris Paul has been vital. We've all mm-hmm. seen Chris Paul starts the fourth quarter and the second quarter. That has not happened in the last four or five games because campaign's been there, and he's been getting dudes open shots. Um I see that he's getting guys in places and he's keeping defensive on defenses honest. So I almost, if you take away TJ Warren or Ross from, from the second unit, that's going to leave more for campaign and more shots for Craig or, or a Kogi. Like, I don't like that. I want more shooters around campaign because we know what book and KD and Chris, I'm not, I'm not going to say Chris Paul yet. We know what Book and KD can do, right? We know what AD or DA can supposedly do sometimes. And then if you have a guy like a Kogi or Craig that can go one for three, I am happy with that as a stat line uh, going from three. So I just want I want a more traditional lineup with campaign facilitating to actual shooters. Or maybe that's Landry Shamit. I mean, we did see uh, Terrence Ross do absolute trash in the first half. He... Uh, Monty Williams to his benefit y'all to his benefit brought in Damian Lee I think it was just for the last two and a half minutes of like the third quarter or something like that huge and makes the three goes and makes the three right so I just like the fact that campaign has more shooters which makes our second unit more deadly but I does that salty KD is going to start in the second quarter in the fourth quarter it ain't going to be Chris and it ain't going to be book doesn't matter who the hell we have because we got KD starting with a second unit. Like that's something we need to talk about too. There's there's a lot into this. Yeah, it's multifaceted. To, you know, for real, it's an onion. It, it's it's tough, but I'm not a big Tory Craig fan, so I, I don't know. I just I think he had his moments shining that one year. We brought him back. He's just been very inconsistent, especially from the offensive end. And he makes stupid turnovers a lot. He's pretty like, mid. Yeah. Very not a big I like I'd be cool if Tory Craig just wasn't even in the playoff lineup, to be honest. But um Okogi for sure. Like I, I heard what you're saying, and definitely with KD, you know, and them trying to space out the minutes between, you know, not having a period of Booker being on without KD or vice versa. So where they're kind of just filling in. That's def. It's smart. So you have KD. He's going to draw the double teams, and then what kind of offense is going to be run? Uh, who's going to be out there? When you talk about Cam Payne, uh, he was on Burns and Gambo today, and I thought his interview was quite. It was nice to be honest. Like I liked his answers. They're kind of like going around just saying, "Hey, Cam Payne, you play out of fucking control sometimes." Like. 
are you working on that? Or like you're a high energy guy. And the way they were saying is professional, obviously, because they can't really just be that direct. Like, hey, bro, you're out of control a lot of times. You can try to fix that. And he was just saying, yeah, that's one of the things I need to work on is like not to be too high and just kind of be neutral in between. And I think he's been doing a better job of that. Like he, his energy is awesome at times, but at times this dude is just like, he reminds me of Leandro Barbosa back in the day, just way high energy. And then he tried to go to the rack and get his shit packed or blow it off the backboard. Cause it's just, you're super fast. That's they It is just like you could, your speed can be your demise if you're not under control. So if he could be under control, yeah, KDB, KD could literally handle the rock himself if he wanted to. So um, you could do whatever you want with that. But the Shamit idea really intrigues me. I didn't really think of that. Because people are like, oh, Shamit's garbage and this and that. But it's like the dude can slap threes. And if you're that wide open, literally, it's just we he don't really – he plays D. That's that's the, the important thing because it's not like, hey, I'm putting TJ Warren in there. And we're sacrificing all defense. It's like, well, if we have Shamit in there, you have defense. You still have some defense, and he can hit threes. Like, literally, whoever the person is that's going to be in that starting lineup is going to have so many open threes. And I would be pissed if that person that they're they're choosing is clanking them off the backboard or rim or whatever. So... Yeah, bro, like campaign's important, but not as much as in the past. Just like CP3 isn't really the needed to be that second player. It's There's a lot of change, we've, man. There's a we, lot we've, of change. We've got about 12 deep. I mean, you got you got our five star, four starters, right? Our four studs. And then you got a Kogi Craig. Then you got Shamit, Payne, right? TJ, uh, TJ Warren, Terrence Ross, a Kogi. Uh, no, you can't me, play. Uh, be, you you got Biombo Landale in the, in the playoffs, though. Like, yep, Damian Lee. Out? We we've got a lot of depth, but and and that's the problem with the consistency here. And I know Monty said recently that no matter who we have coming in and playing, everybody needs to learn to play together, be where they're supposed to be, and all that stuff. And like, so they're trying to make sure that no matter who's on the court, everything mm-hmm. is as it's supposed to be, which I get. But again. This goes back to consistency. This goes back to consistency. It's like you got to ride with the highs and lows sometimes. And sometimes Monty is just not quick enough to pull the trigger. And then he gives DNPs. Um, So there's no consistency with what he does either, which again is a double-edged sword. It keeps people on their feet too. So KD changes everything though. KD changes defensive rotations, defensive one-on-one assignments, not having to switch off. Uh, or being able to switch everything. KD changes absolutely everything, all the way down to minutes played. The good thing with KD coming is Torrey Craig and Akogi, I guarantee you will not get 35-plus minutes, right? Right. Like, oh, the no. minutes of these dudes come down. So your rotations, I, I personally, if I was the coach, personally, I would have quick fucking rotations. If you're going to go 12 or 13 deep and you trust those guys, like let's let's max it then let's do quick four or five minute rotations sub in terrence ross quick sub in damian lee go back and book for the final eight minute stretch or whatever right like that's what i would do what do you guys think of quick rotations but still playing like even 11 12 guys 
Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast today, and uh, I'm, I'm sort of spacing on one of the numbers, but uh, when KD was in the lineup for those three games, again, small sample size, uh, we were outscoring uh, the opposing team uh, 22 points per 100 possessions, which is really good. Uh, and then uh, on the defensive end, uh, uh, we were uh, 11 points better uh, as well. So KD for sure changes everything. So going into the playoffs, let's say we do match up with uh, the Nuggets in uh, the second round. Craig, uh, former Nugget, uh, he knows the system. They really haven't changed much there. Um, he nope. knows how to pick up MPJ. Uh, he knows how to contest on Jokic. Uh, yeah, we haven't really dealt with uh, KCP and Bruce Brown in this particular system. Devin Booker knows all about KCP dropping 46 in game six <laughs> against the <laughs> Lakers. KCP ain't shit. <laughs> exactly. So. That's who's going to guard Booker, by the way. It's either him or Aaron Gordon, but now you got to have Aaron Gordon guarding, guarding KD. Good luck. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, the quick rotations, like there was a nine day difference when uh, Craig finally went back to the bench. Uh, and uh, like he was just you know playing off the bench, there was an extra uh, he was you know, pep, pep in his step. Yeah, he was playing better, he was snatching boards, his defense was a lot better. So, um, I, I think you know the bench for him when everybody else is healthy is great. Uh, we need the rebounding off the bench, and then with a Kogi, too. I mean, like Crash Bandicoot, you know, like if you just need five minutes from him, you just let him go. And, you know, you'll tear shit up. So uh, quick rotations in the playoffs are going to be lethal. And it's going to drive some people crazy. Jamal Murray, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, just name it. That's a name one. somebody. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think they're going to be able to go 12. That It just doesn't work in the playoffs, you know. So. Not 12. Like, I'm thinking like nine. Nine, nine and, half. and a half. But, yeah. who, I mean, you start going through the names. That's like, that's, that's why we a lot need of players, consistency dude. from Monty. That's why these games were so important. You shore up that lineup. You make your lineup smaller, and then it just that's that's just, what I'm because like he's rolling with this this twelve lineup. Fuck. Uh, he, he needs to start hammering down like soon. Like, hey, this is the players that like, are gonna play, tomorrow. and these these aren't these players aren't because if you don't have those rotations down, it's gonna be fucked. I say after the Denver game on Friday, we something needs to be established because after that, we only have five games after. I mean, sure. is KD going to have a ramp up period? Is he going to be on a minutes restriction? Like one would assume, right? Mm-hmm. For sure, I think so. I mean, so, so that's another what two or three games lost of of an actual rotation, and then how much do you want to show? The good thing is, and what what Book said right when we got KD, like around the All Star break, he said, you know. Other we're tr- other teams are trying to figure it out. They want to see it, and was like, "Shit, we're trying to figure it out too." So maybe we can use that as our advantage. Like teams aren't going to know how to attack it, right? Mm-hmm. We That's just got to learn how to play defense. I I just like if you go through our starting lineup, you have um, CP3, Book, Akogi, KD, Aiden, right? And then first man off the bench is what? Uh, campaign? Camp- campaign for, for Chris Paul, you'd imagine. Chris Paul, right? So that leaves you that you're at six. Terrence Ross would be. So you Terrence have Ross, three no, more. TJ Warren's next. TJ Warren, Terrence Ross, and you have one more player left. And you have you need a backup big, which would be big. Is it going to be? Though. Yeah. I, and then, not, then you cut it off. It. Then you cut it off right there. Boom. That's nine. 
That's hey, that's the weird thing. I I do. I'm very intrigued about more small ball lineups. What we saw against the uh, the Mavericks, I'm very very intrigued now of a small mm-hmm. ball lineup with Craig as your five, right. and and KD at the four. Right. I'm book at the point. Terrence Ross, TJ Warren. Ooh. Ooh, I'm. I, I want to see things like that too. So, M- Monty's got a lot on his plate right now, man. A bunch. Um, it's gonna be frustrating in the playoffs because I think we're gonna go through growing pains in the playoffs. I think we could lose a game by twenty points and win a game by thirty in the same series. The firepower that they have is insane. Yeah. What What was Booker and and Katie averaging in those three games together? Uh, 35 KD was averaging 25.7, I believe, and Booker was at averaging 33. And, and his highest point production was that Mavericks game, too. If I'm not mistaken, that's two yeah. players on our team. And when, like I said, like I was watching these defenses, especially with Booker, right? And the way these defensive de- defenses play him is insane, like. You could he he had the ball he gets the ball immediate double team right within yeah. one they, dribble bro boom double team comes and then you know they're they're like let anybody else beat us it doesn't matter it doesn't matter da cp3 nobody get the ball out of his hands and it's just like imagine putting KD in that in that mix. I mean, like, well, we saw that. we saw how many open threes Booker got, dude. We've never seen Booker yeah, so wide open. True. Like, uh, uh, this is what uh, Booker is at right now. So he's at uh, twenty eight uh, points per game, uh, almost five rebounds, five assists, and shooting at sixty uh, percent true shooting. And it's not like he, like, is just shooting from one particular spot. Like he's shooting all around the court. So. You add that with another guy that can essentially do the same thing. Um, and just in the last five games, he's just been on a hot streak. Um, just in this uh, 35 minutes of average play, uh, 38% of, from the three, 56% from the field in general, and then 90% free throw. Um, I mean, did uh, you did you guys notice that they put an emphasis, an emphasis specifically for book to try to get to the rack more? and try I, to get free throws. Yeah, to justify why we get fucked in officiating. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we could talk about that. No, I I think it's because, I don't know, I, you break it down, who are the most popular players in the league? Yeah. For the most, for the y- most, for Giannis, Luca, SGA. And what are they? What are they? SGA right. averages like 11 points per game with no free throws. If you don't count those, like I saw – all the top players not counting free throws. And it's like uh, SGA's literally like averaging like 11. Okay. So there's a lot of these players that are like very popular, you know, superstar type players that get to the line. And it's like, you know how many points you get off the rip from free free throws, right? Embiid, Giannis, Harden back in the day, uh, Doncic, what is, what's the connecting part there? They get to the line a lot. They get the whistle. And we still couldn't get the free throw battle last night against the Jazz. Still. Yeah. And, like, everybody from outside of Phoenix uh, fandom were justifying, like, <clears throat> just uh, 
like we're not young, uh, known for like taking the ball to the hole. No, we're talking about these specific games. You look at the metrics, you look at this, the stats. We're crashing the paint a lot more than these other teams. We're settling for less jump we're shots. We're driving more. We're driving more. And the officiating is still lopsided. I don't care how you break it down. That Lakers game was absolutely absurd. No official should be allowing 46 free throws. For Say it again, Salt. It's frig, bro. Did you see him rescind the tech? Uh, for Luca. Yeah. Fuck that. They would never do that for anybody else. They're rigged, bro. They won that game, too. They probably would have lost. It happened last year, too, uh, around this time. They rescinded uh, one of his techs. Oh, the golden boy. Calling call the special the, – the treatment here. We got to give him the playoff. It's just like the Lakers. The Lakers are not good. Uh, and then it, the, the the great white hype, what's his name? The the white dude that's over there in the Lakerville. It's Austin like, Reeves. Yeah, like more. <laughs> how many free throws is this dude getting? And he, you know, ain't shit. And it's just like they push these narratives. Did like, did anybody see the the Pelicans and the uh, Golden State Warriors little scuffle tonight? Well, there's a couple of scuffles, but um, yeah. It, did you see the both. one where the play where the players exited the bench area? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. So really? by the letter of the law, and I and I was hearing from right? yeah by the letter of the law with what happened to to what's his name, Boris uh, Diaw, Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw. Yeah, these dudes should be suspended. And they won't. Let's let's wait until tomorrow to see if they are. If they are not suspended for doing the same exact thing Amari and Boris did, then then you know, bro, you know. And plus, the Pelicans are on a hot streak right now. So, uh, I mean, I think no, they I, just I, lost. I, they just lost to the Warriors tonight. Uh, they oh, were up by ten. Did they really lose? They lost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God, fucking Warriors. I wanted the Warriors to lose, but yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, let's talk about playoff matchups. Uh, as of right now, we would play the Clippers. Clippers play the oh, who do they play? They play at somewhere. They play the, at the Grizzlies tomorrow. Uh-huh. Obviously, we play the T Wolves, which is all of a sudden a much harder game uh, than maybe even a month ago. So, in theory, we're going to play them home, whether we have the home advantage or away advantage. Are you guys worried about the Clippers without Paul George right now? Um, no. Do you want me to bring up their their roster? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just not with a healthy team. I'm not worried about them. But their their, their starters are Russell Westbrook. Eric Gordon, who lights us up, uh, should have been Phoenix Sun. Obviously, Kawhi, Batum, and Zubats. So you have Zubats taken care of. You have KD on Batum. You got Kawhi Leonard guarded by a Kogi or Craig. Then you got uh, Westbrook and Gordon. Westbrook is going to be guarded by Chris Paul because he can't shoot. So Chris Paul can just back off, clock the paint. Westbrook is neutralized. You got Eric Gordon that can definitely go off on us. I mean, he can drop 28 and a drop it of a fucking hat. Then you got a Mason Plumley coming in. Because of that, I would pers- I would uh, assume that we would play Biombo and not Jock Landale because Jock Landale got manhandled by Plumley last time we played them. Uh, you also got Bones Highland and Terrence Mann coming in. So you got a backup point guard that's done some damage against us and Terrence Mann. Um, so there's there's your Craig Akogi matchup right there. Whoever's coming in, they'll play uh, one of those guys, and then you got Campaign, Terrence Ross, and obviously Landry Shamit. And and I think you have a full backup ten, uh, in my opinion. There, uh, 
but I'm not overall worried about them if we have KD, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm really not. I'm I'm not worried. I mean, then we would play what Denver. I'm not worried about Denver in the second round. There's no there's nobody in the Western Conference I'm afraid of. Who's playing well right now and who's hot? Do you guys uh, know? Well, Pelicans were were on a five game win streak. Um, the Wolves are playing good. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Wolves got some traction and now Cats back and they had that big uh, win against uh, Golden State the other night. But besides those two, um, I mean, Denver's yeah, give, fallen. Give me any Rudy Gobert matchup any day of the week, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll take that yeah. any day of the week. And then you got the Grizzlies at nine and one. But holy shit, they have gone through a lot of turmoil. They could potentially play the Warriors in the first round. Warriors think, are going to rock them. You think the Warriors would beat them? Uh, I think I the think Grizzlies so. are, are pretty scary, dude. Honestly, <laughs> like they're they're clapping a lot of the teams they're playing right now. You know, nothing um, that I've seen from the Warriors this year gives me promise that they'll make it past the second round. No. Yeah. But I think if they were to play the Grizzlies in the first round, they would win. I mean, with that said, honestly, a damn good matchup would be Memphis versus New Orleans if uh, Zion was back, right? But Zion ain't going to be ready. I mean, playoff shape or playoff mode, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but again, none of these teams are peaking at the right time. If we can get on a run here and start peaking at the right time, I mean, you see it in the NCAA tournament. You see it in the NFL playoffs all the time. Like you get hot, you you can roll. You can definitely roll. And I mean, that was the Warriors and, last year. Uh, they they got right at the uh, right time. You know, uh, late February, early March, uh, they got the ball rolling. Yeah. And, and look what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Confidence is a motherfucker. Too, so y'all don't <laughs> like, like you don't think you see KD going for forty six, and you're Terrence Ross, and you got wide open threes every time down. You're not going to have a shitload of confidence, right? TJ Warren is now going to definitely be able to play one-on-one whenever he wants. Like there is so much confidence there when you play with KD. I just don't see another team that's rolling right now. And if we can be that team, all of a sudden we're going straight to the finals again, Denver, they've killed it all year. They're only 51 and 24. Hell, that was good enough for a six, seven seed. What? Seven, eight years ago. And the 20, 10 years ago, the 2013 Suns had like 50 wins or close to 50 wins and we still couldn't make the fucking playoffs. Like, did you, they're not, they're not. Did you, what? did you see that the Denver's defensive rating? I don't know what it is, but apparently oh, look. a team with that defensive rating doesn't usually go to the finals. Like it's there. Dude, who's Jokic stopping? Who's MPJ stopping? Come on. No, that's that's exactly the point. It's just like uh-uh. I think the Nuggets are are this year's uh last year's sons, okay, if that makes sense, like fraudulent. Yeah. And then you remember when Utah was like the number one seed? Egg. And, then, and then they you know, they they did what they did. So I think Nuggets are definitely one of those teams this year. I'd actually can y'all, be, can y'all name three bench players for them for the nuggets fuck no um fuck i can't honestly i, I don't even uh, think they reggie have, jackson but... has been a dmp the last few games coach's decision yeah thomas bryant ish smith oh, yeah, same thomas. thing 
Yeah. Jeff Green is their biggest one. Now let's give it up for Jeff Green. How many times has he fucking he killed his sons? Cooked yeah. us, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll give you there. But they're but they're other other than Jeff Green, their other three guys are are Zeke Naji from Arizona, who nobody likes that school. Uh <laughs> five points a game. Like, okay. Bruce Brown. DeAndre yeah, Jordan. Bruce Brown. What? DeAndre Jordan. I just thought of one. <laughs> yeah. And Christian Braun, who I didn't even hear who that name was until I had to look it up. Uh, and DeAndre Jordan obviously doesn't play. Like, play him and we'll cook him. There is nothing about this team that scares me. That's not to say Jamal Murray doesn't turn into fucking Michael Jordan, obviously, every time we play them. So him going off for 50-plus a game is a potential. That scares me. But that's what you have Josh Akogi for. That's what you have Shamit for. That's what you have Torrey Craig for if you want to put a bigger guy in. And actually, that probably wouldn't work because of foot speed. But this is why I'm thinking, like, throw waves at these motherfuckers. Mm. They just can't guard the pick and roll. And uh, our our defensive rotations are um, some of the best in the league. I mean, it has been the last three seasons. Um, we're still a top ten defense. I mean, sometimes it doesn't look like uh, look like that, but Woo! oh, the legend! <laughs> Welcome, Ahmed. What up, what up? What's up, guys? Sorry, had Yo. some things running late on my end. How's it going? Good. How about you? Uh, we're rocking and rolling, man. We are currently talking Phoenix Suns playoff matchups and how there's nobody that we are really afraid of, but we're currently discussing uh, the Nuggets. So, Jay, finish okay. your thought, please. Um, yeah, uh, just my main point is that they can't guard the pick and roll. I mean, um, MPJ and Yoke uh, have gotten a little better at it uh, throughout the years. but MPJ still... ain't gotten good at any defense. What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, the few Nuggets games I I, I have uh, seen this year, um, he did show a little promise then, but he's like that sidestep is like he can't get to it. Um, that could be a injury thing, and he's just dealing with. But um, yeah, uh, their defense is really sus. Um, their offense is pretty pristine, very clean. Uh, they swing the ball, they catch you lacking and stuff. But um, if like Jamal Murray's still not like he he still hasn't had like that thirty point game when they're like wow you know and it like he's been available all year and it, and it probably won't come this year because of the horrific injuries he's had so right yeah so I'm not gonna kill him for that but um uh, their starting five is uh, very clean and and how they play but like where you win is the bench unit and I think we got them a hundred percent so um. Uh, there was another thing I wanted to bring up, but uh, I'm I'm spacing. But uh, yeah, like uh, this uh, this Denver team uh, shows a lot of similarities to that Utah team a, a couple years ago. But uh, uh, obviously a lot, a lot better. But you know, a lot a lot of cones on defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. There's there's more than one pigeon. There's more than one pigeon on that team you could pick on. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not I'm I'm offensively. Yeah, that's the concern because Jokic and Gordon together are, are a really good pair. Um, you were talking about Murray. It's funny when you think back now and look at the bubble and like how these guys played in the bubble and how a lot of them haven't really shown us much, like TJ Warren, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Jamal Murray, Anthony Davis, Jay Crowder. Spida until this year. Yeah. Until this year. Um, a lot of guys shot really well, looked really good with nobody around. You know what I mean? So – you know, you could take it for no, what it is because no even, travel, none of that. Yeah. And if you, even if you look at Murray, like as good as he was in the bubble and as good as, as some of the games he's had, he's he averages like 20 points a game. That's it. I mean, 
We're talking about but, like, but I mean, but this- you miss this part. Remember, he turns into Michael Jordan every time he fucking plays us. In the regular season, we haven't well, seen him in the playoffs yet. We haven't seen it in the playoffs. And the couple of games that we played against Denver this year, uh, they barely beat us, and that was us yeah. hobbling and not having like two or three Ooh. players. So we I'm play just, them two times. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. With KD, knock on wood. KD, I don't even know if it's going to be smart that second time to run run all those dudes out there. Yeah, well, no. by that point they'll they they they'll probably will have locked up the first seed. So I don't think they're from their perspective. I don't think they would play us. Real. I think they got it locked. No, the first seed. No, uh, Memphis is still three games out. Oh, okay. So Me- so. Memphis has gone nine on a nine and one stretch, and Denver's gone on a five and five stretch, and they've pulled that from like nine games to three. Mm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So uh, we but- could potentially play Memphis in the second round. Yeah, by the second uh, Denver game, not uh, this one on Friday, but the one after, I think we're pretty comfortable with just, you know, maybe slagging off a bit. What do you think, Amit? It's been a while, man. How you doing? Yeah, it's been a while, man. I'm good. I think I'm just thinking now because, like, when you when you look on paper against all these teams in the West, we even without KD, because KD seems to fit in with anything. In fact bringing him in the lineup with no sort of preparation makes the bench players so much better because they're fit right into the role that they're supposed to be in. Torrey Craig doesn't have to extend himself beyond what he does. Same with a Kogi, the same with a lot of these dudes, but it's that like unforeseen thing like that happened last year, right? With Dallas where, okay, now our half our team has COVID uh, Dallas can't miss from three. They're they're targeting um, Chris Paul on every single possession. Luca gets every single foul call. So like, it would. But that was one. That I mean, that happened over a few games. But it was really that game seven that like mag- magnified that whole situation. So it would have to be something that we're not in our minds seeing on paper or it like running the scenarios in our head and going something weird could happen and then all of a sudden like yeah the Suns could lose. But like. Just looking at the West, I mean, yes, Denver is the most formidable opponent. I think second probably would be, you know, honestly, like maybe some crazy Warriors fluke, some crazy Lakers, you know, uh, chemistry thing. No, happens, not the Lakers. No way. I, I you know, I'd say the know, Pe- I'd say the Pelicans Memphis, more than Memphis, them. Memphis. Memphis You're is young. Memphis. I've never been scared not- because Memphis has never been tested. They're, Memphis they're doesn't young. know how to close games. Yeah. And, like, I mean, when they get down to the wire in the last, like, eight minutes in the fourth quarter and, like, the score is, like, a 10-point 10, 10 difference, they usually choke it. But they you, but they win games in the third quarter, so that's the thing. And we stay mm-hmm. pretty neck-to-neck with them uh, until, like, the third quarter usually. So um, I like our chances against Memphis a lot. Who, who's guarding KD, right? They don't have. I mean, they're gonna. They either Jaron Jackson is gonna guard. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Jaron Jackson's the yeah. only person, right? Jaron Jackson's got to guard DeAndre Ayton. Well, who's Stephen Adams guarding then? Is, is Stephen Adams back? Like he was injured or something? Out, I think he's at hurt. Hold on, I got a stupid fucking ads playing because he hasn't played in a while. Yeah, I mean, you got Xavier Tillman who or. 
Dylan Brooks is the only other dude. Like, good luck with that. So you're telling me you're going to put Xavier Tillman or Desmond Bain on on Booker? Desmond Bain. Well, I think Booker will finally get to the line if we're faced with uh, Dylan Brooks. So, well, he's not going to see a double team if KD's on the court. So True. there's a whole different scenario there. Like, yeah. I mean, you guys seen what's happened the last few games when we've been struggling, where yeah, they're just doubling teaming Booker at half court when he's yeah, we covered on. we covered that okay. earlier. We we were this his first dribble, and they're getting yeah. him his first dribble. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. You know, great mind things alike. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, so we know what's going to happen when Katie and we saw in the three games, it unlocked Booker. I mean, what was he averaging? Like 35, 35 points 35, a game in those 36. three games? Something yeah. like that. And they were easy, easy 35. Could have been more. Could have been more. Should have been more, especially that damn Mavericks game, but I digress. Yeah. Um, Do you guys think that there's a curse or a hex on the Suns when it comes to getting foul calls or there's, yeah. there's, there's a, there's uh, a clear... Yeah. Salt, yeah, go salt. I'm, yeah, go I'm, count, I'm counter this, man. So I just I gotta say my piece. Uh, is there a certain slight towards players? I think you can build an argument for that, but to to say that like there's some kind of like agenda against the Suns from like a NBA perspective is just weird. Um, I think it's our our the way our team structured. Our, the way our team plays, the players that we have on our team. Um, if you look at through the last three years, it's been an issue. Getting to the rack, getting foul calls, or vice versa, it's just it's consistently been an issue. So it's like, how could this continually be the NBA refs' fault? I think it's so just I, an easy it's an easy cop out. It's a it's a, I agree it's, with it's every salt I I agree with everything that you're saying except for Devin Booker because everybody else. Yes. Sometimes why are they doing float shots when they should be driving to the rim? We sometimes mm-hmm. we take too many threes with the bench players. Deandre Aiden in five years, this guy has shown no physical aggression. So that's who he is. Chris Paul, mm-hmm. he does get some calls with his rip throughs and stuff, but Devin Booker never gets calls. And the, the, what, what, makes kind, it of very shot, clear what kind of shots does he take typically? He takes better. He takes more physical shots than what Mikael Bridges takes, and Mikael Bridges is having no, more. He, more he shoots mid-range shots and threes for the most part. See, this part. is what I was talking no, about. No, he draws contact. No, he draws contact. No, how many times does he drive? Okay, so here's the deal. When they, because they said this themselves, that they put an emphasis on this, because campaign had an interview with Burns and Gambo. Okay. They said they put an emphasis on trying to get to the line. And you've seen an increase in Booker's free throws. So was it the way he was playing? Because players, some players are are good at avoiding contact. Or it's like you have to create the contact and be physical. Like Giannis, he's literally a football player. He, he jump steps into running to take his momentum up to get into the lane. It's just like, then people are like, Oh, he's barreling everybody over. He's playing physical and getting to the rack. So it's like, well, why is Devin Booker's free throws going up when they're putting an emphasis on trying to get to the line? It's just the way you play. You're not going to get many free throws from shooting jump shots, which go back to that thunder game. Go back to the end of that thunder game. He got Mm -hmm. fouled on the last three shots at the rim. So everything you're saying, 
he did those things and did not get the call, especially in a critical point in the game where the well, and one would change the possessions. Because right? he bitches about everything. It's it's the way you go about it. Because the rest, it's like Luca does it, but he 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 has a different way of going about it. But wouldn't you say that Booker's probably one though, of man. come on, come on, don't even compare those two. Come no, away. but Booker Booker is always whining about something and it gets in his head when he doesn't get a call then he he runs back and fouls the player out of frustration that a, i'll uh, agree with that part for sure i agree that he does that where he gets petty and so he tries to do the move that the other player did on the next possession doesn't get the call then gets attacked he did that against what two games ago but comparing him to luca is crazy because luca just bitches about everything dude he just complained no, about it. He's from an after getting paid. So no, I, kind of, I, I kind of agree that he was starting to get to the Luca level. I thought he was getting damn he just, close. He just – because, I mean, it's easy to have this, like, box of a Suns fan. This is what we see. On an outside perspective, if you have fans talking about Booker, he's viewed in a completely different light than the people that live here in Arizona or like whatever, not even just here in Arizona, but our Suns fans because Suns see him as the saint, which he is. He's a great guy, but like on an outside perspective, there's that meme of him making that face and getting bumped and stuff like that. Like he has a tendency to, like I said, things get under his skin. It's pretty easy to get under his skin and he gets frustrated and, and it just goes sideways. I, I forgot which game it was, but it was one of the games that we lost. We had a big lead. Sacramento. Sacramento. Booker, big Booker doesn't get a call. He gets that bullshit going on where he goes and runs and fouls someone. I think we got a tech as well. And it just volcanoed. You can call him Mr. Volcano, dude. I swear. But, it's but one listen, of the things no. that he needs to work on. Okay, so you can say that, but so that that's exactly what I was describing. That play, the play, I think it, I can't remember who the player was that made him. I think it, whoever it was, they, they made a play on him. He got called for the foul. He went down, literally did the same exact move that that guy did, did not get the call, went down, fouled that guy, complained about it, got a tech. He tried to do the right thing. It didn't work out. I've seen, like, we've all watched Devin Booker. Like, it's not like, yeah, he is a hothead, which is part of the reasons that we love him is because that he is just not afraid of anybody at any time, mm -hmm. and he's willing to mm -hmm. talk shit to anybody. But at the same time, like, he doesn't get the same respect as, like, Austin Reeves. Come on, bro. Like, there's no, like there's 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 agendas. So there's two different conversations going on here because you're going from the individual perspective as a player. Devin Booker should be getting superstar calls because that is what he is. But it's a team's problem. Like it's the Phoenix Suns complaining as a team. This is why we're not winning because this the NBA has an agenda against us. We don't get free throws and the other teams does. And it's like you build this chart. But it's like, if that's the way it is throughout the last three years, then what really is the issue? Is it your players that you have? Is it, you know, the way you're you're guarding other, other teams? Because there are offenders of the players on our teams that, that take stupid fouls that are slapping down, and then we get into foul trouble. And then it's like they build up the, the fouls, and then the other teams in, in, in you know, free throws – from the eight minute mark or once, you know, whatever. And that discrepancy goes up. So it's, it's, there's no way that the NBA has a prerogative to go against the Suns and say, 
yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna call fouls against the team. It just doesn't. I don't buy that. Like, why? What's their what? What? What do they gain? I, I don't think out it's of the NBA. I don't think it's the NBA. I think the I think there's very clear that the referees have something, and specific referees have something against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I think that's pretty clear. Chris Paul for sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and four eight forty three against what's his name? Scott Foster, come on, Scott Foster. Yeah, I and and see, I'm on, I'm on the, I'm on the other end. I think there is some sort of an agenda against the Suns, and I say that because if you look at the Nash and Sotomayor years and all that, we weren't getting calls for shit during then, right? Oh, it's eleven eleven for me. Everybody in my time zone make a wish. Um, Um, uh, real quick, um, salty. Um, yeah. uh, During the the final series, um, we (laughs) you know uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, we. Like, okay, so Giannis single-handedly took out Tory Craig and Dario Sarge mm. off straight charges. Uh, Drew Holiday at the game-winning defensive possession pulled Booker's hands apart and took the ball. Um, Bobby Portis uh, landing in, uh, you know, the shooter's, uh, uh, you know, box, uh, you know, landing zone. Multiple times. Uh, Don't forget the technical that should have been called on Giannis when Booker got the yeah, steal on well, alley Yeah, Fuck. that too. Yeah. We were not complaining at all. So it gets to the point when it, this is like a consistent thing when we're in the bottom part where it's not. Um, it, it it like if it's like a season or two, cool. Like uh, adjustments have, like have to be made at that point uh, when it comes to roster building, but when it's on top of the list, uh, like the top four, uh, b- like biggest teams, uh, getting uh, all the calls. It's like Lakers, Boston, Dallas, and uh, I think Memphis. So all, all these high caliber, um, you know, the uh, players and teams getting all the calls, and it's like everybody else uh, for uh, four straight seasons. Uh, we're like you know, between 25 and 30 when it comes to getting free throws. Like the games that we're, we bitch about is when we're go, uh, going against like other high caliber players, like against a Shea, uh, against a Luca, against a Kyrie, against a Giannis and stuff. Uh, yeah. That Giannis charge against Torrey Craig uh, recently. And like, you can't call that real time and say, that's a charge or a blocking uh, foul. It, it, like the perception is it's a charge playing physical. Like we've seen Booger play physical. We've seen DA be physical and get a different whistle. Like there's a reason why DA for four straight games in the finals got uh, in foul trouble within the first quarter because Giannis was able to create contact, initiate all the contact and be rewarded with that uh, and being in the bonus like the whole game. So there, there's levels to it. And, like, if if it's not an agenda, then there's obviously ref biases. And if those ref biases – like the So, every single, it, so every single ref. Yeah, that's, uh, that's every ref. You know? I mean, they, they, they switch – I don't, I don't understand how it would work from a logistics standpoint. But because, why would you defend the refs, dude? Why would you defend the refs? They're fucking terrible. They're gambling. Like, why would you why, defend them? Why? Why would I? Why would I defend the refs? Because it's comical to have a fan base deny something that is so clear and say, "Oh, it's we're getting drafted." It's like multiple fan bases. It's the Golden State Warriors. There's a lot of fan bases that are like, "What the fuck so are the refs doing?" You would say that okay, we don't need to take personal responsibility to anything that's happening with this team. We could just pass it off. 
Giannis plays a physical style. He's one of the one of the unique players in the NBA. The Suns had issues because they didn't have backup bigs in the finals. Dario Sarge blew his fucking knee out, and we didn't have any way to counter. And our coach does not make adjustments. So that's some of the bigger issues that are on but tap. When Giannis there. knocks out a fucking player's tooth out. And they're, he's bulldozing players left and right. And then we go do the same exact thing and they call the offensive foul. That's the shit that I cannot stand. And this yeah. this went back to when Marbury was playing for the Suns against the Spurs in the first round. Marbury is locking the fuck up, Tony Parker. But Ginobili's getting ticky-tack fouls and getting flopping calls. And those guys are landing in people's zones uh, or landing zones on us. And they're not calling shit. They're fucking murdering Joe Johnson out there in his eye and they're barely calling anything out there. They're calling Stoudemire and and Diaw barely walking onto the court when Tim fucking Duncan walks all the way across the court during the same fucking thing, talks to a ref and walks all the way back and they don't call shit. They did it to Goran Dragic, Gerald Green, and Eric Bledsoe that same year. We weren't getting shit. Like, I'm convinced there's a vendetta against the Suns, but also you need to overcome that like a motherfucker. You have to strive and be better than that. So I'm back to where I was two years ago in our finals run. Just don't say a fucking thing. It's clearly not helping. Nothing we're doing is helping. We still can't get the free throw battle against the fucking Jazz last night because they want to give white man Laurie Markkinen and Walker Kessler all of their flowers for whatever the hell reason. Booker's still getting murked underneath the basket, and he's not getting the call that he deserves even after all this shit is going down. I agree with both sides that one, okay, refs are corrupt as fuck because they've had goddamn documentaries on it and they're gambling on shit. And it's easy to uh, to collude with everybody because they said it in that documentary. Tim Donahue said it. Yeah, we all text each other. We all communicate. It's a close little knit circle. They can easily collude. So they, they still do that after that dude went to jail. Yes, 100%. they're still doing it. Absolutely. So they're going to. So, gonna, so yeah. why aren't sports, they in jail then? Sports, why did, sports betting, why, and sports gambling. Why did, sports why did he get. Has been, has been going on for as long and boxing and college basketball for as long so, as it can. So why watch it then if it's all fucking I rigged? Come, isn't that the question? That's the real question we should I be mean, asking ourselves. What's the point then if it's always going to be this but way? It, we we have hope that it's not. Good people that don't go out and do dumb shit and hurt people have hope that they're going to come home and watch a good wholesome game, and that just ain't the case. That's our hope that it's fairly called. And that their team can win. That's what we all want is our team winning. That's why we watch it. I just don't it's- understand why they went from – it's just – it sounded whiny. It sounded like everybody was doing it. But, but, but when we're consistently you know? losing the free throw battle 44 to 22 – like that shit that's needs to be addressed. And when the stats back it up that we're driving to the hoop 46 times and they drove to the hoop 21 times, then why the fuck are they getting all these touch fouls 40 feet from the basket? But we can't get the same call when we're driving in the lane. That's it's the a part that's frustrating too because it's not just like that part, right? It's not forget about the Suns. Why do the Lakers have the largest free throw differential in the NBA? Because the why league wants the, the league wants the Lakers to make the playoffs. That's why. Right. It's rigged. Why did why did Luca's uh, technical get rescinded so he could play in a game Golden that Boy, matters for them play. to make the playoffs? These yep. are the things that we have to talk. It's not just about the Suns. It's about all of it together. Well, that's how the NBA has always been. So it's not going to change. With David Stern and Patrick. Okay, it's been, it's been that way it. since. 
well, I know you can, but it, I, it's one way or another. You know, it's like it's not going to it's it, the it's, way it, it is. Yeah, salt, salty's right there that it is the way it is and it's not changing. And no, it hasn't not. changed. It, it hasn't changed since we've been watching the Suns in the 2000s. Like there's clearly that doesn't mean that we shouldn't better. talk about it. And that means what we should highlight Correct. every time that we see this. These things happen. Correct. But I t- I, but maybe the players should shut the fuck up. I agree. Sure. I just, sure. Yeah, yeah, I just. I, I think that I don't, Monty came out, got his fine, and and they kind of, they made their you know they said what they needed to say, but like Luke I said, like this to the refs. By the way, I thought that was funny as shit. I appreciated that from Luca. It's the only thing I liked yeah. about him. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, like uh, I, I will say this: it's to the point where when I don't know what a proper screen is, because Biombo sets a nice physical screen, maybe rolls a little early, maybe. And then he gets whistled, mm-hmm. but Trey Lyles gets to like send a improper screen, chicken wings. the chicken wing back into players like uh, Kayvon Looney on the Warriors, and it's not a whistle. It's to the point when, like, it's like little shit like that isn't even consistent. So it's like, where do you draw the line of it being acceptable? But I, mm-hmm. I, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying, Salty. That's this is a sports across, you know, any. At, like any organization you look into, I mean, we can point at a million NFL things. We can point. Baseball uh, umps are the worst, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, and what's a ball? Look the at fact that replay is a relatively new thing in baseball is crazy. So the Super Bowl was was uh, decided on a holding play that was like kind of technically right, but not really right. Now they didn't call right? all like, games. Feel right? Yeah. Or yeah, what about the, the no call the Saints and the Rams in the playoffs a couple of years ago when Dewey yeah, clearly yeah. got there first mm-hmm. and got leveled before yeah, the ball yeah. even arrived and they didn't call that. So yep. yeah, exactly. You know, this talk, is a you want, if you really want to get in depth, go go look at all the tennis stuff. Tennis, I more than anything got fucked more than any other sport before the uh, VAR or whatever they call it. Yeah. So yeah. Go 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 full virtual for baseball. Um. That that's enough on the officials, in my opinion. Um, I wanted to to talk about something that t- Salty touched on at the beginning about uh, James Jones not being able to sign anybody because we were clamped to KD, and then Sarver was out and everything. I, I read I read an interesting theory. It was from a Facebook Suns group, believe it or not, and I'm, I can't believe it because that's like the most toxic place is Facebook Suns pages, right? But the the post said this, and and it kind of got me thinking. Um. Igor Kokoskov got hired, right? And he was hired by Ryan McDonough, and everybody pointed to Luca being drafted, right? Like all signs, you have Luca's Slovenian head national coach there, right? And and that's the plan going forward. Um, and at the end of or at the beginning of 2018, and you had the draft in in 2018 in April or something like that. Robert Sarver caught wind that the NBA was looking into him for some of the bullshit that he did. And remember, a lot of that stuff happened in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Then you had the goat thing with McDonough and all that. So he, there was all this stuff going around. So Sarver went around, and this is according to this guy that posted this. This was coming from inside sources that worked inside the Suns building, the people that like left and quit during that time and everything, right? So uh, Sarver caught wind of this, that the NBA was going to begin looking into him, not investigating, but looking in. And he wanted to start, changing his his approach to everything he wanted to get in people's favor and people advocate for him again and so he fired mcdonough uh eight days before the season they drafted deandre Ayton ahead of time even though everybody in house wanted luca then they fired mcdonough 
Kokoskov is gone after one season. So you bring in James Jones, you bring in DeAndre Ayton, you bring in Monty Williams, and all of a sudden you're hiring and, and getting African-Americans there as opposed to the racist-ass white people that he was going for all the time. Uh, Sarver being the racist person, not not the other guy, um, being very, uh, you know, the way Sarver was for whatever reason. All that goes on, and then the NBA starts pushing, 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 and then Evan Baxter writes his thing and comes out, right? Sarver goes around and tries to tell everybody, including the president, uh, uh, J- Jason Rowley, was that his name? J- Jason Rowley, whoever that was, um, starts going around and sh- trying to start getting advocated and, and all that bullshit. And everything is just turning down for him. Fast forward to this past offseason. Sarver knew that he was out. Sarver knew he was going to sell. And then he says, yeah, he's going to sell, but he's going to A-OK any trade that comes his way, right? Remember at the beginning of last year or at the, when we lost to the Mavericks, he came out and was like, I'm going to put money into the Suns. We're going to go over the threshold. We're going to do all that stuff because winning costs money. Trying to do something that he's never done before. He did say that, ends up selling the team. Um, but hamstrung the team. Didn't want to make any moves. Didn't want to pay any extra salaries, any luxury tax or whatever bills that came with it financially. He just kind of wanted to make his money, leave it high and dry, and we haven't heard of him since. So I thought that whole story was very interesting that that started five, six years ago. Um, Certain things were in play and how that really molded our franchise from potentially having Luka and Booker with Kokoskov as the head coach to where we are now with DA, Monty Williams, and James Jones. Honestly, maybe this is the better way. Maybe having Kokoskov and Luka and Booker would have been awful and Booker would have left and we'd be left with Luka and who knows what, right? It could have been way worse. Who knows if that would have worked out? But what Salty was referencing at the beginning, I think is very important for the rest of this year, win or lose, especially if we lose, to be honest. We couldn't sign anybody, y'all. We couldn't go out and get anybody. We were hamstrung the contracts. We signed all these dudes who have worked out to a point, if you're looking for like 11 to 15 men. And they're all like, what, one and a half million, two million dollars. There was nothing big. There was nothing substantial. There was no two or three whatever deals. So if we lose... And, and we could because we just haven't had time to gel together. I really want everybody the second we lose to take a deep breath if we do. And I don't think we will. And think about Matt Ishbia and his pockets and his pocketbook and what the difference that's going to make this offseason. Fred Van Fleet's out there. Kuzma's out there. Jeremy Grant's out there. A bevy of players that could fill roster spots at the back end from Jordan Clarkson to whoever the hell you want to go after. Maybe they want to trade DA for Pascal Siakam, whoever the hell. But we're going to have a lot of money to spend over the next however many years Ishbia is here. And I think that's a really important factor when you talk about this team going forward. It feels like this team was just kind of thrown together with random side players, and let's hope this works. That's just my opinion of, of what we have right now, so I'll be really impressed if we do win it or even go to the finals again. That could be Monty Williams' best coaching so far, considering our ragtag group of misfits that are on the second batch unit. But just wanted to throw that out there for discussion, and then uh, we'll, we'll get out of here. So... Um, salty. Can I let me start with you? What What do you think of hearing all that and mm-hmm. your your yeah. initial point with Ishbia or Sarver signing players, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget how it was, but it was it was tough that during the off season because you're like, well, how are we going to make a move? You know, and then we had the Crowder situation. Um, that was weird. The way it ended, it was weird. So we were hoping all these things were going to happen, like getting 
backup point guard fixed and whatever other issues we're running into, like shot creation, like getting to the rack. There's a bunch of different things that we needed to do because it was demoralizing getting off that loss, you know, that game seven shellacking, even game six or whatever, just getting straight embarrassed. So everybody knew that we need to make major, major changes, but that off season, you know, that off season, the KD rumors started and then it was just, or whatever uh, they were, they were there and it's just, nothing was happening. No moves right. were being made. They were talking about us. Like, when is, when is it going to happen? When, you know? And then it, it didn't happen. And then I remember hearing about the Lee signing, the Akogi signing and Jock Landell. You know, Landell. And I was like, what? These are the moves that we made to counter the Luca you know, shellacking us in the playoffs. Uh, we didn't address the any of the issues really that we had. Um, so as we were looking at it, and I was just like, man, they're 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 trying to get KD or something. They're, I mean, it's just. And then the KD's KD rumors came and went, and then you know these players. KD KD said he they're gonna work it out. He's gonna stay in Brooklyn. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. So then. I was like, well, we did all this for nothing. We waited around to yeah. try to do something for KD, and we got these third-rate players. Because let's be honest, when we signed all these players, the Suns Nation was just like, wow, that is lackluster as it gets. Like Lee, Akogi coming, you know, he was on the Wolves or whatever, can't really shoot. And people are looking at it, it's just like, these aren't the game-changing moves we needed to make to get us over the hump. But it, you know, in the long run, it worked out. But like to look back, and in the fact that one of our starters was wasn't even reporting to the team and Crowder and having that, like there's so many issues that hamstrung this team. So like if they don't win the finals this year, it is not even close to being a, an issue because there's time together as a team that they just really haven't had because of injuries and stuff like that. And then having the players that you really want that you, you know, now that you know, Katie's on the team, it's like, well, how would you build that team to maximize the Booker KD situation? It's like, would it be the same as how you built the team when you didn't have Katie in mind uh, on your team? I don't know if that's really the case there. So, um, I think that's the biggest thing to talk about here because before there's buyout markets and stuff like that, and we'd always miss out on these players. It's like go down the list. Even the year that we made the finals, there's a bunch of players that I wanted the Suns to get, but they all signed with Brooklyn because KD was there. You know, it's just like a bunch of those players like just would never sign with the Suns as these buyout players, and then we all of a sudden yeah. we get Ross, and that just shows you the power of KD and, you know, I don't think the Suns are going to have any issues. Yeah. Ishbia and his spending and stuff like that. Like this window is three, four years, whatever it is. And like, I I think, I I think it's definitely longer. JJ, we're going to keep, we're going to keep going. I know you got to get off. So say your piece, um, say your part. It It was good to see you again, my friend. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, just real quick, uh, for all the Suns fans out there, um, when we acquired KD, of course, everybody was like, um, they're a super team now. Uh, they have no reason to win it all this year. Uh, I would pipe down with that and just kind of get that thought out of your head. Uh, to 
expect not only the team and but KD to figure everything out in like 20 games at the time before he even got injured to uh, figure everything out then make a the championship push just seemed a little unrealistic and kind of unfair. I know the type Mm. of, uh, you know, caliber KD is, I mean, it's why we put the whole off season on hold. If you, if you don't get into the ownership uh, part of it, but um, now with KD coming back with less games to figure things out, of course, he's the best uh, plug and play player we've seen uh, in league history, but we weren't able to do anything in the off season, uh, off season due to, the Kevin Durant rumors due to the market crashing because of that whole Rudy Gobert trade. And also yeah, uh, the ownership yep, thing uh, as well. So uh, we had a lot of things hampering us and honestly um, no other team was able to make moves like that anyway. So and, like we didn't really move, uh, lose like a leg in the race and whatnot. It, it was just very underwhelming considering how we went out in, in the playoffs the year previous. So, um, to if we want to uh, win a ring, great. I mean, I'm not going to be complaining about it. Uh, the competition uh, to uh, the finals, I'm not too worried about. Um, if we match up with the Bucks, I mean, that's definitely going to be like a slugfest. It's going to be back and forth. If it's the Celtics, I like our chances, honestly. But not trying to think too far ahead. Um, I wouldn't expect a championship this year. Uh, what Salty said, uh, we kind of bought ourselves another two to three year window uh, with Kevin Durant. Now we can add more pieces around. Maybe Ross and Warren stay around and we can build around that bench a bit. You know, our starting five is already pretty good. Maybe we can trade a DA uh, to a place where he can be really utilized and we can get some uh, additional capital back. Maybe we can. Uh, make a push for a uh, point guard that's just as hungry as Chris Ball when he first got here. So uh, uh, th- th- there's a lot of opportunities past uh, this season. You know, if we win a championship, of course, none of us are going to be complaining. But I think it's a, a little unfair of what the NBA media and like NBA Twitter and NBA fa- Facebook are saying about the Suns. Like, uh, like we should win a championship. That's really unfair considering the circumstances that we've dealt all year. Our record shows that we're pretty mediocre. Uh, when, before Booker went out, uh, we were uh, the first seed in the West, and we're at 18 and 11. So it shows the type of ca- uh, caliber of a team that we can be and our potential can be. So as long as we're fully healthy, I don't see a reason why we can't make it to the promised land. But, you know, only time uh, can tell in that aspect. But um, w- just stay optimistic this uh, this season. When we get into <laughs> next season, uh, like – You just ask Suns fans to stay optimistic. Come on, bro. <laughs> Uh, just you know, uh, don't rule anything out. So look forward to the next uh, two seasons instead of really being, uh, you know, strung up in uh, this season because uh, it's really been a four-team race and we just entered it. So before you go, win or lose, in my opinion, this off-season is the most op- important off-season, definitely since the bubble, but before that, since trading Nash away, maybe even Correct. before that, Correct. it's a huge yeah. off-season because we're clearly. Are, are we all in agreement that we're moving on from CP3 after this season? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Jay, it was good to see you, man. Let's get back on here weekly. We'll be in touch, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, thanks for coming on, Salty. And uh, Ahmed, yep, we'll yep. get an After Dark show going soon. Yeah, we got to do that. All right, cool. Uh, have Later. a good one. Peace. See you, dude.
Salty, unblock uh, Jay, by the way, on Twitter. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm at, so you, you heard all that. You're the last one to go here. What are your thoughts and, and bounce anything off of what Salty and JJ said as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, so this has been the most wide open the NBA has been in a long time. I mean, last year was pretty wide open, but this year is even way more wide open where you could see a four, five, six, seven seed in the West win, a three or four seed in the East win. Um, you don't even know what's going to happen with the injuries and suspensions and the whole thing. So the whole thing is wide open. I, um, I kind of look at it and I go, and I'm going to, I'm going to give a props to my brother. Cause he said this to me, if Kevin Durant with the limited time that the Suns have together, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying if the Suns were able to get to the finals and win a championship, he's might be a top five player of all time. Given the circumstances that going to win the, the Suns is a top five player of all time. Well, given that that fact that he wouldn't even played a tenth of a season for them, or whatever it is, like a a sixth of the season, right? Like that is insane. That would be insane. But then when you think about it, and you go, yeah, that sounds crazy. That sounds improbable. But because all these other teams have this chemistry, they've been playing together. But then you look at it and you go, yeah, but who has Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and then CP3 and DeAndre Ayton as like, not like reliable options, but at least like borderline all-star options on the team. Like nobody has that kind of like top 10 talent and then that kind of backup. Like if you look at like the Nuggets, yeah, you got Jokic, but then everybody else is not a top 30 player on their Correct. team. Correct. Correct. Falls off. You look at the Celtics. Yeah, they got Tate. They got Tatum and Brown, but like those guys are not always consistently top fifteen, top Robert players. Robert Williams is a big X factor for them, though, and he's always hurt. The guy's never healthy, right? So, and then same with Embiid, right? Who I think is MVP this year. He's playing with Harden. Has Harden ever shown us anything that he can do anything in the playoffs? Um, we're expecting him to show up all of a sudden. Let's, let's so let's be real. The only contender we're all worried about resides in milwaukee and and we don't know how healthy chris middleton is right he's coming matters. off the i don't know if he's still coming off the bench but i know he was coming off the bench for a while it uh it sucks to see guys like crowder and javon carter just throw daggers over there right yeah like what the fuck well i i don't i don't mind javon carter because like he like we traded him away like we like we he probably would have won a state with the Suns. Crowder, fuck that guy forever, dude. Um, fuck him. Facts. Facts. I completely agree. Because he would have actually been contributing with this team if he got his, if he didn't let his ego get in the way. He would actually would have been playing, and the Suns probably would have won more games. We'd be a higher seed. None of this would be an an issue. You know what I mean? I'm glad. I, I dude, watching him guard Booker in the most recent recent matchup and Booker was by him in a step and a half. I'm like, you know what? You're not boss, man. You're not that dude who I thought you were. I must've been looking he through. Never was though, bro. I was looking through, Booker him through put beer 70 can on eyes. him. Booker put, 70, Booker on put him. seven. Yeah. And he was the dude that tweeted out. I've never seen so many happy dudes after an L and then books yeah. like, you can't guard me. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm I'm more worried about Milwaukee than anything, but a lot of things has to happen. But again, as I'll say, as I said two years ago, you make it to the finals. I don't care who we're playing. I like our odds. You make it to the finals. You, you can you clearly can stick with anybody. Part of me wants to avenge that loss. Part of me never wants to see them again. I'd rather see Boston. I'd rather see Philly. I'm rooting for Philly because I know we can beat them, right? Yeah, I, I do not yeah. want to see the Bucs, man. Well, I don't think Harden is going to let that team get that far. Uh, like, Joel Embiid is that good, and the rest of the team, uh, Maxi, the rest of the players are good on that team, but there's no way that Harden doesn't implode before they get to the I Eastern so. Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Um. We, we've we've talked to death the suns we're all we're all excited i could keep going another half hour i don't know what your guys' schedules are i could talk cardinals for a minute where, where are you guys at in this you got more suns more sun stuff you want to kick around i'm good uh suns i mean you know like i said i mean I, i'm just saying it like if kd comes in and helps this team win a championship this year this year that's one of the greatest championships you'll ever see i love it who was the last player to get traded at the deadline to have a, I would say, a, a star close to an all-star impact on that team and for them to win that championship? Do you remember? At the trade deadline. Mm. In the I 2000s, I can only remember one. Are you thinking Gasol? But they didn't win that first year. They did not win that first year, and I'm not thinking of Gasol. That would be a good runner-up, though. I mean, considering. Yeah. Oh, are the you t- only uh, one. Are you talking? Are you talking about like uh, Ray Allen and uh, Paul uh, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett? Because that was before the that season. That was off too. season. That was off. Yeah, season. that was off season. Yeah. yeah. They had a full year to play together. We're talking trade deadline. Not a lot of time to play together, mm-hmm. and it melded and it meshed, and they were baller. Mm. How long ago? 2004 to be exact. Oh, the Detroit Pistons. Rashid, baby. Ew. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was he it was he was the last one, and he was the only All Star at the time, other than Ben Ben Wallace. But he wasn't offense, obviously. Uh, yeah. He was the only one to get All Star All Star games before that point, and he went over that there. That was a and perfect fit. That was a perfect fit, but, but he eight, was like yeah. a third of yeah. that. Was my point. Thank you, Ahmed. Perfect yeah. fit was my point because you said it yeah. earlier about KD and Salty said it, and we've all seen it. He just fits he so fits seamlessly. Like yeah, man. Yeah. It's so seamless. Honestly, I'm more worried about guys like Campaign, Terrence Ross, TJ Warren playing less minutes, right? Instead of playing mm-hmm. your 24, 25 minutes, now they have to try to make the same type of impact in, what, 16 to 20 minutes, right? Are they going to press a little bit more and try a little bit harder, or do they play more relaxed and free? Free? No, I, I would think Free. Yeah, I think they're being. I think I think everybody's like when the thing is when you play with somebody like even like Booker, right? Like playing next to Kevin Durant, Mm -hmm. even for him, it's just like, oh, this is a lot easier for me now. Like, yeah, I can still Mm -hmm. be that dude, but I really like. There's no double teams coming my way. I'm gonna be wide open on the backside of the defense. All these guys are just like, okay, it just makes it way easier for me. I just. I remember when Kate before KD got hurt, just watching him for those three games. And I've watched KD before, but like his, I don't know, like he's special. That's the only way to put it, yeah. man. Like his efficiency, just his 
dominance. It's just like it's it's like Confidence. watching. I don't know how to even compare it because when I watched Michael Jordan, it was like special, you know. Even though he was kicking our asses and stuff, like what he was doing was crazy. Like it's almost mesmerizing when you see it. Because um, Booker is insane, right? Like he gets in those stretches, but like when they're playing together, all I could look at was like KD when he gets the ball. Because it's just like imagine being that tall and have that much length. You'll never be guarded, almost. You know, with his fluidity, and his, it's just insane in his clutch in the playoffs. I remember watching him on Golden State. I just remember him going to Golden State and just what he was doing there and, like, everything else. He was just unstoppable. It's like, well, they're going to win the next 10 years, you I, know? I got that feeling with Kobe Bryant, too. Oh, yeah. Kobe was – he was killing us, man, but it was such a pleasure – to watch not at the um, time i not, hated no, it at not, the time fuck no no no, him no. At the time. no i know fuck him at the time and like when raja bell closed line him you're like fuck that yeah dude awesome. but but in retrospect just seeing what he does it's just it's just like kd bro like when i'm watching kd i'm just like wow that is that's crazy you know i mean the thing about KD is that he, him and Booker are so similar in that if if KD wanted to go for an eighty point game, he could do that any night. I don't know. If, I don't know if Booker could do that, but I know that KD, if he wanted an eighty point game, he could do that. He just oh, plays. Yeah. He's just a hooper. He just takes mm-hmm. the right read. You know, most of the time, if he just wanted to go one on one every single play, he could get eighty points anytime he wants. The only. You know? The only thing that stops KD is his injuries. That's it. And that's unfor- the unfortunate thing. But literally, he does not have a thing in his game where you'd be like, yeah, that's his Achilles heel. Like, what would you – he doesn't have that. Like, what would you say, KD? What is his Achilles heel? He doesn't have that. It's like, well, yeah, fuck, you know what? Dude. You know what Devin Booker's Achilles heel is? He's not 6'11". That's yeah. his Achilles yeah. heel. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. – I just kind of got me thinking of watching Michael Jordan back back in the day and then watching Kobe. Um, mm-hmm. I almost kind of got that with T-Mac, but that obviously never came to fruition. Yeah, stretches, yeah. I remember he had st- stretches, right? But not, not, nothing like Kobe or MJ, and then nothing like Durant. Um, I never really felt that with LeBron. There, He yeah. went off in the, like, the Eastern Conference Finals like when he was with the Cavs and shit where he was special with it. And the finals but, that one year with Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland, yeah. yeah. But we, we need, when they beat the Warriors and stuff. But overall, it's not like they. It's like a meme at this point. But they say they have an aura to them or aura or whatever, and it's true, man. It's, Katie, well, JJ, just got that JJ is not going to like this. Sorry, JJ is not going to like this take. But I LeBron has, I know, because he puts up even this year, right? Like everyone's praising LeBron. He, he's got the scoring title. They're all meaningless stats. Like if you look at his career in the championships and then him being an MVP and then going to the finals and losing to the Western conference, didn't matter who the team was. There are a lot of meaningless stats that go into his career legacy. And I'm not saying that he hasn't had a great career. Cause I think he probably has the greatest NBA career of any player of all time, including mm-hmm. Jordan and all the greats because of the accolades, because of championships, because he's gone to different places and won. But 
there's a lot of like garbage stats in there. A lot of garbage. Yeah. And he, him and Kareem have played. They're the only two players that have played over 65,000 minutes in there. I think we just lost him. No, he's I making, He's making I mean, good points too. I think LeBron from a standpoint, like a physical standpoint, we'll never see that type of mix between like, I don't know, man. The dude is a freak. Mix of guarding one through five, being able to play one through five, ball handling, overall shooting, passing, just sheer dominance, speed, strength, everything, right? Having the pressure he had in high school. You remember how crazy that was with the coverage with him? Yeah. Like they're broadcasting his high school games on ESPN, like people showing up. Uh, It's like an event when he's in high school. And to be able to deliver on that, and then have the career he had, like with all that pressure, I I just think that that goes, you know, kind of under the radar as well. But LeBron did he he started the front running shit like LeBron with his one two three four five six super team bullshit. I think that he started that fucking part of the NBA. I just hated, dude. The super yeah. team. Now let's be clear, salty. Charles Barkley started it when he got traded to the Rockets. I mean, yeah, he's a hypocrite <laughs> from that standpoint, right? He joined the Rockets, try to glom on for a championship. You had the Lakers when they added Gary Payton and Carl Gary Malone, Payton, and that's yeah. when the Pistons Steve Nash them. Went there. And Dwight Howard, that was all, that was fun to watch. I remember calling you after that happened, and I was like, dude, what the fuck just happened? Traded mm-hmm. to the fucking Lakers, and, and we were going off. That was bad. That was horrible, dude. That was bad. And, and and the other thing that I think you would put KD, Kobe, and uh, Michael over LeBron is look at, like, the whining and the complaining that LeBron does overall versus these other dudes. Mm-hmm. I, you, you don't see – you saw them complain – but they didn't have they they knew they had the biggest dick in the room, right? They knew they were MJ. They knew that they he was Kobe, right? He they knew who they were. And so when they go up and talk to somebody, they didn't have to do all these charades and like, what are you kidding? Me? They didn't have to do all that shit. They just go up to them, and be like, What the fuck, man? Yeah. There's a and there's a big difference in, in how you act too. LeBron and his whining and the Lucas thing versus Michael and Kobe. It's like Michael. There's a story. There's a story where Michael goes over and he goes, "You know that ain't a foul, right?" And BJ mm-hmm. Armstrong was right there, and he heard and he listened. And you know what the ref said? He said, "Yeah, you're right. I won't call it again." <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> but KD, I mean, think about KD. Like, the, if he ever complains, it's because he fouled somebody. You can't foul him. Like you, if you foul him because of his length, like. It's very obvious that he got fouled, and the ref is going to call it 100 percent of the time. The only times where ever he gets upset is if he gets called for a foul. I mean, it's ridiculous how like his just physical stature makes him so unguardable. Mm. I can't wait to watch him tomorrow. I can't wait. I can't wait. I swear, I'm giving my kid a melatonin like an hour early so he passes out before the game starts. What time? It, it's seven my time, right? Yeah, yeah eight, eight my time. So you know, tip off will be like between eight ten and eight fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I am really looking forward to this offseason, though. I'm, you're going to hear me say it over and over again, man. Fred Van Fleet. FVV, FVV, FVV. Dude, stay the fuck away from Kyrie. Holy shit. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, how yeah. many times do we need to see this? Holy shit. Stay away from Kyrie. One, Fred Van Fleet is cheaper. And is he a I free think agent he's, or what? He's going to be, he's a full free agent. Not, not, he doesn't have to do any restricted shit or really? nothing. Really? Full know free that. agent. I yeah, am I'm all about him. That. Um, Rumors from a really, 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 really good source. Um, LeBron James is still going to opt out, and he already has interest in the Suns in August. He can't do it till August. Um, Dude, this I is think the, he'd be perfect. I think so. LeBron would be perfect in that one. I mean, give him, give me him for a single year. Yeah. I don't give a damn. Um, on top of that, everybody just kind of be aware of Zion for Julius Randle in the offseason. That's that's going to be one you guys need to be aware of. Um, and mm-hmm. then in two in three years uh we've we've heard the man himself say it joel Embiid is going to be a free agent and he's looking to leave philly so those are the next big moves out of there and i wouldn't be surprised if luca would be on there but that one is definitely not uh a rumor within the back channels but that's those are the big moves coming down the pipe i mean this man called it when it came to donovan mitchell he thought everybody thought he was going to new york and then last second got pulled but i knew about that six months ahead of time I was telling people that, and sure enough. So be aware of some of those those moves. But, man, give me FVV over Kyrie. Can we talk about that for a second? Bro, I've, I've been on the, the Kyrie situation. Um, I remember what he did uh, in that finals run with LeBron, and I just think he gets a bad rap, obviously, because he's, he's a – I don't know. He's crazy to a certain extent, but – his He's talent, just woke, I guess. I don't know. He, I mean, he goes past <laughs> that shit. He's like burning sage and shit. And like, you know, we had the COVID year and shit. And like, honestly, that's a personal decision of his. And he got a bunch of flack for that, for not putting the team first and all this other stuff. But like his talent, like when he goes off is just... He's probably one of the best ball handlers ever in the NBA. He is. He has the best uh, handles of all time. So, yeah, of all time, and, and, like, what he did in the finals, man, people forget it, but, like, he went off, dude. Like, this, t- you know, like, he's half the he reason was, why they won won the finals against – He was uh, my favorite player for, like, two years. He was my favorite player to watch. So, you, you can't tell me that Kyrie on this team, taking the place of old-ass fucking CP3 wouldn't be an upgrade. <laughs> he's – if like the the Van Vliet thing, I'm definitely on board with that shit, and like I think that's a good thing. But Gambo said because they had a chance to try to go get Van Vliet, uh, you know, via trade or whatever, and obviously the KD things were going on, but it seemed like they weren't interested. I don't know why you wouldn't be because I think the dude's a baller. Like I know he is a baller, um, and he already won a championship and stuff like that, um, but. The rumors are is that Kyrie wanted to come to Phoenix with with uh, KD and stuff, and that that shit wouldn't work with all the stuff you would have to give up. But I think where there's smoke, there's fire. Honestly, so I I, uh, I do too. I just how many times do we need to see this movie? I know, I know, what, bro. Okay, okay, but what's what's everybody say it with me now in the chat? What's the best ability? Availability. Dude hasn't been available for years. Like, 
I can put the COVID thing aside and not wanting to get the shot during that time and all that. But then when all this other stuff happens and then you add that into it, it's just like another thing how you did not put the team first. Like at some point you have to put the team first. Like, fuck man, this is not all about you. Like it's your platform and you need to be able to use it. But once it's game time, man, you got to lace it up. Right. Like the, I just don't. F- FVV plays, dude. That's the thing. FVV plays, and he plays, and he plays, and he plays, and we don't have mm-hmm. those off the court issues. And for a team that has Booker and Durant and LeBron and and DA, for fuck's sake, we already have enough players to complain about. I just, I just, I don't, yeah, don't go through it again. yeah. I think, I think you're on the money there. There's other better options that with less risk. It's just, I think the Luca thing was never going to work out between them, and I think everybody. It with a half of fucking brain would have known. Fucking that. Knew. Yeah, who knew? It's just like we knew Russell Westbrook. Who ball dominant players? Come on, Come man! On. It's just like it more so, than okay. Anything. Another uh, there's another thing. Ball dominant players. Don't we have two of those? Uh, I mean, it's not to the level of Luca, dude. I mean, Booker passes. <laughs> like I know, I know. Yeah, Luca does know pass bad. too. Yeah, I mean, but it's just. I don't know. He's a point guard. I mean, you're looking at a traditional super team like the LeBron Miami days. The reason why that super team was so good is because the three superstars they had were at the different positions. You know, it's like uh, Bosch, power forward, LeBron, you know, power or whatever, center, power forward uh, and shooting guard with wherever you want to put them. And it was just evenly dish you know distribution there with katie he's kind of a freak but he literally is like seven feet tall and okay. then there's booker and it's just like well Kyrie's what fucking if, point guard he's a what if what about this scenario then um you sign K- Kyrie to five year 258 mil mm-hmm or you sign FVV to five year, I don't know, 175, 190, I don't know, something like that. But then mm-hmm. you're also allowed to sign, for example, Jeremy Grant to, for three years, 20 million a year. Would you rather take Jeremy Grant and FVV or get Kyrie? No, for sure. I mean, if there's other options out there, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know where else Kyrie would go at this point because the Lakers supposedly like what they have plus, you know, whatever else it I just, mean, the Lakers it, and the Suns, Those are the only two that make sense right now. I just, fuck man, whatever big pill to swallow. It's just, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. And I, I don't know, like the way you broke it down kind of makes me think about just not doing it more. You know what I'm saying? Cause there's <laughs> a lot of risk there. So it's like, yeah, I don't really want to, um, mess with that because it because you guys talked about the Paul uh, the the Gasol situation and I totally forgot that they didn't win it that first year and that just kind of fortifies the situation with this team. The fact that they have so little amount of time to kind of figure this shit out. Plus, we didn't have the off season that we wanted. Right. It's just, I feel like next year is like going to be insane you know injuries happen and stuff like that but it's just that second year of just building around a team where you know kd's on your squad and then you have all the players that know that kd's on your squad potential free agents like you're talking about um i think that's where the game changing is and like it even extends past 
because you were saying that too, right? I was like, well, three years. I think it's way past that. Like, I, I don't. I think, I think it's this is just fucking game changing. New owner. Ishby is the game changer, bro. Oh, Ishby. Yeah, oh, yeah. People don't even know how bad, down bad the Suns were with Sarver as an owner, man. That dude screwed us in more ways than other. But one of the worst ways is that the players just don't like him. They don't want to be playing on a team that's owned by a cheap ass, you know, racist ass, what, whatever, you know? So the longest time, why are we getting LaMarcus Aldridge or this player or that player when they come available? It's like, well, you guys don't. You have a great city and stuff and history, but they don't want to play under Robert Sarver. So now we have this, like, charismatic billionaire that, that has shown he's going to go over, and it's just like there's so much shit that is unlocked right now. Um, just, just look at Mark Cuban and the Mavericks, dude. I mean, from when he took over, he immediately went out and then he got mm-hmm. Dirk and then you had paired him with Finley and Steve Nash and they yep. made so many trades in and out. They went and got Keith Van Horn. I mean, sweet man porn. They went yep. and got Antoine Walker. Uh, they went and got uh, uh, the jet. What the hell was his name? Number 31 with the headband that went to Arizona. Yeah, Terry. Um, and then they go out and then they trade Devin Harris and Josh Howard and they bring in guys like Vince Carter and Jason Kidd, right? They went and mm-hmm. traded Rajon Rondo thinking that was going to fix something at some point. That's when Rajon Rondo was a baller, right? Like, and he just fell off at that point. Uh, they go out and consistently make trades. They just traded for Christian Wood thinking that would be the guy, but they did it like that, right? They don't think about it. They just go out and make those type of moves regardless of the money. I remember them signing Eric Dampier to some stupid contract, but he was just the best center at the time on the free agent market. And I wanted him on the Suns at the time, and and lo and behold, he goes to Dallas. Like All these dudes just kept signing with Dallas, yep. right? They got Sean Marion, and it was just yep. every single year. They have, they have players. that window, and they yep. have that. The they have the, the money. Team. They signed Harrison Barnes from the uh, Warriors when he was at his peak, right? Mm-hmm. They keep signing these guys when they're at their peak, whether they work out or not. Obviously, it's the NBA in sports. It doesn't happen. But that's what the Suns are going to be able to do, bro. They're going to be able to yep. go out and sign Jeremy Grant because they can, right, mm-hmm. for, no, for no other reason. It might not work out, and it probably wouldn't. But they can do that now. They can go out and sign these additional guys beyond the uh, Kevin Durant years, like, Who's yeah. going to be available in three years? We just said it. Joel Embiid. Is SGA going to want to stick around in the, uh, for the Thunder for so long? No, but here we are with this plush-ass owner willing to fork everything out so that he could play with his best friend, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker's best friend and cat, a couple mm-hmm. years down the road, right? And I'm not saying that's who they're going to sign. I'm just saying we have that ability now. So the don't we don't have a two- or three-year span. We have a span with KD. We have life after that, bro. That's why this offseason is so important. We're going to sign somebody to a five-year deal, and this is going to play after KD. This is such an important offseason. It's going to be more fun than – when was the last offseason we had fun? Trading trading for Hardaway? That was fun, right? But we just lost Antonio McDice too, so that sucks. So then we signed Gugliata. Like, that's the shit we get to do now. Yeah, I mean – People don't see past that, but I think too many people are locked in like, it's got to be this year. It's got to be, or it's a failure. It's like, dude, really? 
there's so many things that are against this season. Like, I'm not saying they can't win the ship for sure. I mean, it, it comes down to being lucky at the end of the day. Like there's a lot of luck involved as well, like from an injury standpoint or uh, who you draw as matchups or whatever. So there's a lot of that that goes into it. But for people to like build it up to be like championship or bust, I think is just, I don't know. I, I think that's like, setting up you're setting yourself up for failure there. We're you know? we're starving for a championship, right? I know, it's, but it's it's I, people's expectations, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just I'm just happy to be happy about the Suns, man, because it wasn't long ago where we we had Robert as an owner. We were just dog shit. Just uh, it was so bad, man. It was just you know the the last time I was truly happy when it comes to sports, um, last year and I want to say it was game five or game four. It was game five when when Chris Paul against the Pelicans was like fifteen for fifteen or something like that, and Devin Mm -hmm. Booker was coming back the next game. In the second quarter of that game, the Arizona Cardinals traded for Hollywood Brown, and that was right during the NBA draft, if everybody remembers. Mm -hmm. So during that game, Chris Paul goes off. We trade for Hollywood Brown. You know, we just came off the season the Cardinals did, thinking we're going to have another 10-win season and go to the playoffs and all this trash. That was the last time I was happy, and it's been a year ago. And now, like, I'm at I'm at peace with my Arizona sports fandom right now because I know that we have KD and we have these couple years to look forward to. So mm-hmm. I, it's, it's not championship or bust. But with that said, in our in the West – I like the odds, but just like, as we said on that other weird show that we were on a couple years ago, anything can happen in the playoffs. I remember you and I talking, we were all afraid of the nets and Harden and all that. What happened? Harden blows out his hammy. They can't beat the bucks and the bucks walk all over us. It's true. Uh, The team I was most worried about that year was the nets, man, because I remember Katie and then Katie put his foot on the line. And then everything changed, man. It, it's just going to be exciting. It's just, it's it's fun to actually have a sports team that I care about enough to like be excited for throughout make the day. For. You know, to make you know like schedule things and plans and you know your schedule around a team. I don't do that normally anymore. You know. All right. Remember making that. plans to watch the Suns in the playoffs when I lived out in Phoenix, and we would, whether it win or lose, we'd be making plans. Yeah, I'll be there at this time, yep. be there at that time, yep. and then, yeah, that's that's what this feels like. I mean, my wife knows when when the Suns are playing now. Like I'm doing this. Like I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, because right I remember how it was with when I used to care about the Diamondbacks. That was a long time ago. Uh, but the Randy Johnson years, I remember. Just must is must see every time he was on the mound, you know, channel three or whatever, just fucking watching his dominance and being that's that that's an example of what it's like to with the Suns. Like I feel it's like event viewing, man. It's like when the Suns aren't on, it feels like fuck, dude. Like especially when it was like three days in between. Because it's yeah. nice to have something to look forward to and be like, fuck, I'm excited to watch this shit, you know? Like, I was way nice. excited for ASU basketball for a while. That was fun. <laughs> the, more, more than anything, that just 
that kept my juices up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. because I, mm-hmm. I know that I care about the Suns way more, but I do love this, the sport of college basketball itself more than I like the NBA. We can get mm-hmm. into it in another podcast one time, but I love the Suns more than anything. Dude, I, it's must-watch TV for Booker because you don't know if he can go off for 70, right? That itself is must-watch TV. I want to watch the best son of all time. I mean, mm-hmm. within two seasons, if he plays a full two seasons or three seasons, two and a half, I forget what it was, he's going to be the number one in points. By that time, he'll be, he's going to get assists. He's probably going to get damn close to rebounds, field goal. He's going to yep. have all of these records, dude. Like points record in two or three seasons when he's 28 years old and he could play until he's 35 plus. That mm-hmm. record might not ever be broken. Definitely not in our lifetime. You know what no. I mean? Like, no. And Devin actually, Booker itself is must-see TV. Oh, he is for sure. And then the fact that he actually reps Phoenix and like is actually proud to live here and shit. Like, because Steve Nash, like people love him, but he didn't give a fuck about Phoenix, dude. <laughs> like he was never here. He was always living in New York and stuff yep. like that, and he was never invested in the city and i know that's just kind of like i don't know it's but but it's, you saw stat I, I remember seeing amari in the fucking pv mall or not PV oh, yeah. mall, the, the the one in scottsdale the the big one he um, made it he, he, place or whatever he he started a restaurant too they were invested and i mean yep more more so than others so it's like that's why we love charles barkley and them because we felt that tie like dan marley opening up marley's right you have a tie yep. to that Yep. So Devin it's, Booker just showing up to on on the streets in his in his cars uh, to some of these events, dude. That's just yeah. It just it gives you re- it's he's here for his whole career, man. He ain't going nowhere. Um, it's just it's good to know that, and it's there was that same thing. I know he's not Kobe Bryant, but he's like the Suns Kobe Bryant. You know what I'm saying? Like he. Because Kobe Bryant wasn't drafted by the Lakers, but he was there his whole career, right? He got traded. He got traded um, draft day. Yeah, so he was a Lakers whole career. He didn't go, you know, he was just mm-hmm. there. And it's just, I mean, I see the same thing. He's he's just going to be the greatest son of all time, and it ain't close. Especially He already, when, he already when, is, in my opinion. But When he brings us a championship, too. Like he doesn't even have to win MVP in my opinion. I don't know if he ever can no. just because of the biasness in today's NBA, but he does not need to win an MVP. And I, I would take him over Chuck and Steve Nash any day of the week, twice on Sunday. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not even a question to me anymore. He is, if you just look at like how young he is and the things he's done, it's just, again, people lose sight of how great he is because you see it all the time. It's like the Randy Johnson thing. You're seeing him go yeah. out and pitch, and it's just you take advantage of that, or you know. So he's getting better too, which is insane. He's stepped his game up in all kinds of areas. He stepped his game up with he like when he first got in the league, he couldn't do a bunch of the things. He he didn't play defense. The dude was like pretty limited in his offensive game, and he just keeps growing. And then having KD here is just going to make that go times 10 because it's just he played with USA basketball. And at the time, people didn't realize how important that was, man. Because I didn't, I think at the time I said I didn't want him to play USA basketball because 
It was right off the finals run. Yep. It was like, boom, he's taking a jet to go play in the, the Olympics. And I'm like, dude, book, you should just rest. But come to find out, is that's where you've, you know, solidified that really hit it relationship, yeah. you know? So, I mean, but, it's funny how much USA basketball has played into a lot of these dudes wanting to play with each other over the years. Look at the Redeem team. If you guys haven't checked out that Netflix documentary on the Redeem team, that was that was awesome. Everybody go check that one out. And the Tim Donahue one with yeah. the, the, the refing scandal. Holy shit. Um, but we just talked about book being must see TV. You add that with KD. It's the most. Ooh, ooh. Is this the most dominant duo? in Arizona sports history, Salty? Uh, Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling was pretty good, man. So, but uh, I would say... It's baseball. It's kind of... I know. It's different, but that was... They they don't play three out of the five five games. They don't play. That's the hard part. No, but they are. I think... I I don't even think it's close. Like, who else would even get there, you know? Fitz and Kurt Warner? (laughs) Or... Uh, Kurt Four, Warner, two, yeah, yeah. Stretch. Uh huh. I yeah. I don't know. Katie's like one of the top ten basketball players of all time, you know. So, um, no, Kurt Warner's. It, it it's not Fitz and Carson. He, if JNS in the comments, I love you, JNS. It ain't Fitz and Carson Palmer. Hell no. Here. <laughs> yeah. If anything, no. if anything, it's Bolden and Fitz, right? Yeah, Bolden, but Bolden's not. I mean, they're. There, he's not on that level, dude. So mm-hmm. I just, yeah, easy, easy. Um, it's gonna be, I mean, I, we got what's up. Can I throw in, I, I just for sake of conversation, I really want to say Kachuk and Ronick for the Coyotes, but then they never got past the first they round knew. of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> so what am I, do, <laughs> I remember what I was because I, I watched the Coyotes back then. It's like, yeah, I mean, their names. Like namesake was crazy, but it's like, what did they Ooh, actually do? I, I have a fun one for you, but again, what did they do? Here's a fun one: Andrew Walter and Derek Hagan. <laughs> yeah, for like, sure. That's what we're working with too. So it's not like what we have to work with is a whole lot. Yeah, they're they're easily the best. Emmett Smith and whoever his co- uh, quarterback uh, Blake, was. Blake, what's his name? Jeff Blake. Jeff Blake, best duo. Jesus. But yeah, that's I don't know. We're we're not going to get into it. But uh, the Cardinals, man, Jesus. No, let's get into it for a minute. Let's re- real quick. Let's uh, what we were texting about the other day. Mm. The the theory is that we're signing all these cheap dudes who nobody's ever heard of. Mm. We're not signing any big contracts or any long contracts because this year is all about tanking. So that we can hopefully get the number one pick for a guy named Caleb Caleb Williams and maybe get off the Kyler Murray contract next year is that uh, is that the plan? Because I'll be honest, if that's the plan, I'm for it. But the way we're going about it really makes me question everything about Austin Ford and and Gannon. Right? I don't think. All right, so I I know that they're tanking, but I don't necessarily know if their their plan yet is the Kyler Murray situation. I think they're just preparing for it, if it makes sense, because they, what do you have, an ACL? That's, I mean, that's pretty major. I mean, with medical advances as they are, it's not as bad as it was in the past. But 
he's a quarterback that relies on running, you know, like he doesn't like doing it now because he's a pussy, but I, I won't go there, but he just, he's short and avoids contact. And what we drafted him for is not what we're going to be getting for the most part. And we paid him this huge, ridiculous, big contract because he was pushing it. His agent was pushing it smartly. And then he gets injured. And it's just like in the NFL, if you want to win championships for the most part, you win in the windows of your quarterbacks being on rookie deals. It's like Jalen Hurts with the Eagles. He's getting paid like nothing, you know? Uh, so they, they get all these high cost contracts and you kind of fill it up. But it's like when your quarterback's making 40 mil a year, that's eating up a big part of your cap. So it's like you're limited as to what you could do. So it's like if they're re that's why I don't understand what they're doing. It's like you guys are going to trade D hop, right? You're going to do all this other stuff. You didn't re you didn't sign Zach Allen or any of these players. You just let them walk. You're clearly rebuilding, but you're still keeping Jesus. your your quarterback that costs forty million a year. Like, how does that make sense? Yes. Like you guys yeah. literally the over what is it, the odds for wins is at five? I would go five and a half. I, I said six would be a miracle season for them. That's the ceiling. That is I would ceiling. I would bet so much money on the under that they don't win three fucking, wins. I yeah. Three wins is probably where they're at, but it's just they're going to be dogged. It. And it's like they haven't come out and said it, but I know for a fact their plan and their strategy is to build this team the right way through the draft because Kime never could do that. We all said he sucked at the draft. It's like yep. that's a fundamental thing to building an NFL team is draft, your ability to draft and get lower cost players and the, the Patriots did it for years where yes, they they trade players like Chandler, you know, um, and, and they'd, and they'd come right back with a Kyle get, Van Noy or something right there. Yeah, they'd or draft a people they, they'd replace them. And it's just like, that's where Austin Fort came from, from, from that, that perspective. So it's like, you could see where he's going with it. And I'm not going to really, you're not gonna be able to judge him as a GM until like, two or three years because he's got to get these, you know, players got to get drafted. Yep. Takes a while for them to show out or whatever. So we're not going to really know on him either. I just don't. So if they're going to tank like this, why don't they just keep, keep cliff around, you know, and then fire him later. Like, I mean, you're going to suck anyway. Eh, so like, you're trying to create the culture sooner rather than later and build that foundation. I get, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's true. It just seems like a waste. It's like, because you know that they had to tell Gannon, hey, don't worry about this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, because coaches, new coaches in the NFL are like getting fired after two years and shit. Like, if they don't get it done. So there's got to, like with Gannon, they had to say, hey, we know our, our shit is, the cupboards are bare because of time. Like with cap, we're cap space, dead money. Bad contracts, yeah. uh, no, you know, the draft, he didn't draft well or any of this shit. So it's like Gannon probably, you know, he's excited to get a new, like a head coaching job. But at the same time, it's like he has so.
Yep. Think we lost him. I have no idea. Hope he comes back on. We'll figure it out. Uh, to continue on the Cardinals, though, I'm I'm looking at this team, and Hop is obviously gone, right? Hop is going to be out of here. So that leaves you with what weapons? Greg Dorch and Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown will be gone before you know it. Zach Ertz, he'll be traded at the deadline, in my opinion. And I'm then back. who's – oh, you, you're back. You there? Yeah, what's up? Hey, you, you froze for a minute. Hey, no problem. Um, no, but – go ahead. No, 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 go. Nah, but I I was saying, man, it, it's just – you can't tell me that they didn't promise or tell Gannon, like, hey, bro, don't worry about it. You guys lose all your games. We're not going to judge you off this year because it's just he's in a well, well, flop situation. Well, what, there's, there's all these rumors that we're getting new uniforms now, finally. Oh yeah, they are improving the facilities. There's a bunch of stuff saying that they're going to go and what they do is to be determined, but I'm going to hold my judgment and just hope for the best considering the grades they got back. So like, there's your kind of foundation and starting point right there, right? Better facilities. You look a little better in the uniforms. You look cooler. You get God, get a good draft this year. Get Will Anderson. You have some solid pieces moving forward. So Ertz will be gone. Hop will be gone. Hollywood Brown will probably be gone by the end of next year, which means you can like refresh on offensive weapons. Then I think the key here, man, is is going to be Kyler Murray. If Gannon thinks he's that dude or not, but but let me ask you, mm. who is more of the mold of Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray or Caleb Williams? <laughs> Uh, Caleb Williams, probably. Look, I, I'm done with the five foot nine quarterback experiment because he's fast and mm-hmm. and he can throw at every arm angle because he played baseball. Like, don't you want a prototypical six foot five pocket quarterback that's also pretty elusive and can run around quite a bit? Yeah, bro. I mean, I I don't know. I like I've I've soured on Kyler Murray, man. I I wasn't a oh, fan yeah. of the draft pick when they made it. I thought it was just reaching by kind, gimmicky, gimmicky. You know the coach and the the player, too. You know, so um, I don't know, man. He he's a, a good talent for sure, man. Um, but I think that if they trust their process and shit, I think it's just a no brainer. If you if you have the number one overall pick and you have a chance to get like a fresh start with a lower cost quarterback during a rebuild. Fuck. Just do it, man. Just go in all the way. I mean, can we talk about Buda Baker then? What, what's the point of having him right now? That's the, that's a, that's another thing, man. Uh, you feel sorry for players like that. Cause it's, yeah. it's like, you're either going to go all in with this whole, like blow it up and have be shitty and for whatever amount of time and then build through the draft. And it's just like, at that point, it almost be their responsibility, to, but they already tagged him as like their poster child of like, hey, this is what our player we want our players to be like in this culture. So then maybe he's the next Adrian Wilson. I guess there's nothing wrong with having him be a Cardinal for the next for for twelve plus seasons and Ring of Honor, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he is that Fuck guy because that's who they because they were asking, uh, what kind of player do you want? Yeah, all Buda Baker, Buda Baker everybody, well. Buda Bakers. If I could get 50, 52 more of him, it's because I mean, Kyler ain't a leader, so it was a bad draft pick. And 
do you think Michael Bidwell learned anything in this process then? That's what it comes down to. That's the important. We just got done talking about Ishbia and we have years now. I think he's all learned, about Bidwell. I think he's learned because this is the what they did this offseason never would have happened in the past. They did this like good fellowship, like promote within, have their buddies. Because you had Hoban, Dave McGinnis. Yeah, Graves, you know, whatever his name was, Graves back in the day. You remember him? And Ron then Graves, baby. And then guess who comes up through the, you know, Kime was working through the system. And that's what they did. It's just, it was like, yes, man. It was people bid well, knew or whatever, trusted. And he, he totally went against that. But he had to, I mean, they, he had to dig pretty far down in the barrel to get their choice. So we'll see what happens, man. I, cause I don't know. We're getting three or four wins this year. I think if you watch Cardinals games this year, you need to be looking for uh, smaller victories within the game. Player right? performances. Player performances, how they're reacting to the coach. Like, Remember Kyler Graphic. and Cliff yelling at each other on the fucking sideline all the time yeah. and Hawk having to get in the middle? Like, Let's see if we see things like that, right? The toxicity of it, or is it a positive reinforcement type of place? Um, but one thing that proves that they're tanking is they re-signed our kicker, uh, Matt Prater. <laughs> so that's that's pretty clear sign that we're fucking tanking to me mm-hmm. and it sucks because dude hop is hop is a talent dude i'm i to hop fuck. is crazy hop was, talented, hop was but... better than fits don't don't at me <laughs> that upset a lot of people <laughs> now nah, but yeah it just i mean hop it, it sucks they need to get value for him and it just shows how much steve kime was an idiot because he, he traded – literally, they could have got their center of the future, and he traded a first for Hollywood Brown. And D-Hop can't even garner a second. Like, what? That is insane. Like, what? what is going on what, here, bro? What I don't are we doing? Understand. I don't understand, bro. And you just let Byron – see, if you re-sign Zach Allen, re-sign Byron Murphy – retain your dudes and make a make one or two really solid free agent moves and draft picks like we could have been talking about a potential playoff team maybe not this year but definitely next year like you could talk me into that but we let all these dudes walk because why we don't have the money we can't re-sign byron murphy and and hold on to these guys past this year and that's where the problem lies and so they are starting fresh from the ground up. So when somebody pops off in year four, like Zach Allen, guess what? They have this dude year three ready to go. That's way cheaper. And you can sign him to a three-year deal for a cheaper rate because he was a fifth round pick, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're trying to build for. And it sucks. Yeah, it su- sucks. It just, you know, it's going to be losing for years. So that but that's the thing that sucks. This time next year, after the free agency period, the first initial wave of signings, and knowing what we have moving forward, that's when we can get excited. But let me ask you, are you excited for ASU football at all with Kenny Dillingham? Does that get I, you pumped up? I, I like, yeah, man. I, I couldn't have been lower like with my excitement level with this team, with her Edwards and the scandal, where they were at. But like, he seems to be that perfect guy. 
Because he's, I mean, he got that quarterback from, where'd he come? He Jaden Rashada. Yeah, so it's just he has that charisma and stuff like that. Like, they're, the Pac-12 is like a fucking dumpster fire right now uh, with the TV deal and, like, just everything uh, with teams leaving and stuff like that. So yep. there's huge question marks whether they're even going to be still in the pack or what's it, what is it going to be, the pack six or some dog shit. It's like San Diego State's in the Final Four, but – it's like you get those teams and you're losing USC and U- UCLA and stuff like that. If ASU did play their cards right, though, um, they could be top dogs again. I mean, they were – where was it, the WAC? Or where were they? They came yep. from. So, it, I mean, they were king shit in the WAC. So, it's like, I mean, you get these people that would stomp on you anyway, and, and at least you could compete for – Whatever you can be for, I mean, Fiesta let's be honest. Let's be honest with letter of intent or whatever these deals that they're fucking signing players to now. Out the the teams like Alabama and, and all these teams with like unlimited funds, and we have Crow as our president that get, doesn't give a fuck about sports, bro. He said that the arena for the basketball is fine, yep. and it's like a shithole. So this guy doesn't care. I mean, it comes down from the top, but you just got to keep it in perspective that USC, they they got their new coach from Oklahoma. They're fucking – they're going to be dominating shit, UCLA and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think but it could be it could be a good thing. I mean – This is their last year with USC and UCLA too. So if we do say the Pac-10, I mean, you like your odds more with them out to win – the conference yeah. right than them dude, in so thanks. i mean that's good but honestly dude if i'm the four corner schools the arizona's utah and colorado and you do have a standing offer with the big 12 motherfuckers you need to jump ship now do not get yeah. left behind don't get left behind in the arms race we're already behind we're working behind the eight ball like you need to do whatever it is to catch up and and all the alums are like oh what about our california ties like, what the fuck what about our california ties you know, business is what's the, I forget the saying in business. Um, doing the same thing we've always done for years, or that's how we've always done it, is like the cur- is like the kiss of death for businesses. Well, that's mm-hmm. the way we always done it. That's not the way you need to be going about it in the future. But that doesn't mean you can't still get California players. Like, yeah, we won't have that California tie anymore. But you, they have, you can't the, get they left have, the, they have the history. They have the history. They're close geographically. That's- you know, then why is West Virginia and the big 12 and you know what I mean? And all these weird things going on. Like, it's just, that's not the game anymore. And I don't know if we can win that way anyways, because it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened with the California ties. So we might as well try something else. Nah, I think it's important for them. And I, it, they're they weren't going to win shit anyway. Uh, in the pac 12 with all the, you know, USC's of the world. So wherever they end up, hopefully it will be, I don't know because they've just kind of screwed the situation up with the Pac-12. So, but as as in terms of their coach and stuff like that, I'm 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 excited to see what he can do. Uh, This is gonna it's it's gonna be better than our football season last year when we hated everything about Cliff Kingsbury and about Herm and everything that happened on the field. Right, at least this year we can Mm -hmm. see building blocks and be positive about it. Right? No, like yeah, if if I know the expectations this set, then I'm not going to be like, 
let down, you know? Like, I know this is like a rebuilding year for both both teams, you know? It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> yeah. It's the hope that kills you. Um, I think on that note, I got to get out of here. It's 1230 my time, and yep. it has been a lot of fun hanging with it with everybody. Everybody hit the like button, share it out. We're six members, six uh uh, subscribers away from 300 it's not a lot for my little podcast but you know what it's fun we love it and uh, we are going to start doing uh weekly shows on tuesdays coming up here so be on the lookout for that uh salty thanks for coming on um what are you excited about with katie tomorrow the most him getting out of fucking layup lines and <laughs> getting to actually play it dude just don't even warm up just Go hop That's in what the I sauna. thought. That's what I've been thinking. Go That's hop in exactly. the sauna. Go hop in the sauna. Shit. Uh, put some. Get yourself a red wine bath like Amari Stoudemire. Just put him in a bubble and roll his ass out there. Fuck. I don't. It's just. That's going to be the biggest thing. I know we're out of here, but just the nerve. Because you know how it is when any player like Booker's coming back from like whatever he had before. You're just like. On pins and needles, is he gonna fucking the injure himself? Day. Are you? Gonna, is he gonna do it again? Is he gonna? You know, and every time he jumps up, you're like, oh fuck, is he gonna do it again? You know, so I I need him to get past this shit and just move forward, dude. Like, don't get hurt again, god damn it. That's Tomorrow's it. gonna be such a good game, dude. We're gonna have Anthony Edwards, Gobert, Cat, Mike Conley versus. <laughs> CPDA book and KD like this is going to be a hell of a game. Um, I fully expect if we stay healthy and whatnot that we we can definitely come out out of this with a win. Um, then you got the Nuggets on Friday. Uh, that's going to be a big litmus test for us. Uh, and and who who else do we got? Who, who real quick? Who else do we got? There's only seven Lakers, more games left. Lakers are on the. I know Lakers are one of those. Don't yeah. we play the Nuggets twice? Yeah, we played the Nuggets twice. Okay, I got it up here. So Wednesday, Minnesota, Friday, Denver, Sunday at Oklahoma City, right? And then next Revenge Tuesday game. is home to San Antonio. Next Thursday, w. home to Denver. Then Friday at Lake. Yep. Friday at Lakers. And then next Sunday, the last game, home to the Clippers. And that's going to be an interesting matchup just because if we're still the four five seed, do we need to win to get home? court advantage do we rest players like what do you do at that point that's going to be kind of a weird one the last game of the season is always weird right yeah big time uh i don't think the nuggets will care about that last game not with three games left i mean they only have a three game lead right now over memphis so we'll i mean scoreboard and standing watching season that's for damn sure it's fun though it's I feel good about this because just like you, dude, when KD rolled his ankle and was out, I, th- I was done for the night. Jordan even looks over to me and she's all like, don't let this ruin the rest of your night. And I look at her like, are you fucking kidding me? Don't say that to me right now. That my night is ruined. Yeah. That shit and then was... I apologize later because I shouldn't have said that to her and I was that very shit, wrong. That shit was... Uh... It took it out of you. Remember that breath of life that you got when we talked mm-hmm. when KD got traded and then to that? Yeah, it's PTSD, man. Dude. Everybody, hit the like button. We are out of here. We'll be back next Tuesday for sure. Hopefully something good happens and we can have some breaking news or something or have another pod or do something. But everybody, it's been great chatting with you. We are out of here. He's on Fire Podcast. Cheers, y'all. <laughs>